coming to you from our quarantine bunkers deep in the flyover states, we review WWE SummerSlam 2003. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 236. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back to the year 2003 for SummerSlam. Yeah, we we return to the reign of Triple H and Evolution and see how they ran Goldberg out of the company. (sighs) Like... Where do you begin? I told you, 2003, like this era kind of goes unchecked because everybody just either praises the Hulkamania eras or they talk about how trashy the Attitude Era was. 2002, 2003, like these weird Bischoff versus Stephanie McMahon brand years, (laughs) some of the worst television ever produced, some of the most tasteless storylines, some of just the most mind-blowing angles, like, and it all kind of just... It's just washed kind of away. Like, nobody really talks or thinks about any of this. It's got, like, a South Park effect. Everyone, they saw that they were pushing boundaries in the Attitude Era, and that it continued into the 2000s, and so they're like, well, they're just pushing boundaries, and they just stopped paying attention at that point. And then then the company just kept going forward with more boundary pushing, and then eventually they're like, we have to go PG. It's the only only direction to go. Yeah, Yeah, by the time they're almost probably producing porno films. Oh, wait, that's right, they did. Um... (laughs) Yeah, there was also some good wrestling on this show, uh, oh, yeah. and we watched it because this is a wrestling review show. Uh, each week, DP and I get together and discuss an event we agreed to watch the week before. It's the Oprah's Book Club for Wrestling Nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, visit goldenagepodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself further, maybe something a little longer or more involved, send us an email at goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Yes. Definitely do that, and uh, feel free to you know interact on Twitter if we say things that are uh, you know if we have if we have questions, feel free to Erodious. answer them. Or if we're yeah, or if we're lying, let us know because sometimes you know we don't try to lie, but sometimes it happens. Yeah, or if you just want to confirm things, but I'm right. <laughs> That's I, true. You know, we it's also nice. Yeah, no, Thanks. we we definitely appreciate all the the feedback recently on the uh, the threads there. I know I saw somebody post a, about us as well. Uh, when they were posting to someone's thread about, you know, good wrestling podcast. So we appreciate the support there. Uh, Except for that DP guy. What's that? Uh, nothing. I didn't say anything. Sorry. I'm, I'm also like trying to, again, uh, st- stall until I can pull Are up who stalling? exactly it was that was uh, that posted. That oh, thing. I see. Well, if you were just trying to do that, you should nice have said so. I can talk for um, <laughs> that's the, if that's the case. Um Yeah. Quite a week. We had a lot of information for you in the uh, current wrestling, as you know, the yes. wrestling world decided that the weekend of August twenty second and twenty third, everybody was going to have a, a major event. So, um, lots of good stuff there. That takes place at the end of this show. So check that out. Yeah. So uh, apparently, yeah, <laughs> superstars of wrestling. We were talking about that. Got blurred because oh, they. Oh yeah. Yeah, WWF yeah. never owned the trademark. Uh, the guy who owns it sued them to make them stop using it, so that's why they're not allowed to even show it. Uh, that's that, from Paul Matthews of Classic right. Wrestling Review. Appreciate the uh, facts there. Yeah. And Vince hates the word wrestling. I mean, that's also... Yeah, that's, yeah that, that was kind of my assumption there uh, when we were talking about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and also, apparently, yeah. I didn't see anything else backing this up, so I don't know if I believe it or not. Chris Morale, I, I always appreciate when he, he gives us some feedback. He's always a funny guy mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. generally enjoy the feedback that he gives me uh, genuinely. But this one, I, I was curious. I was like, let me see if anyone else says that this is true. He says that eat a garage means to do cocaine. I, I couldn't find it anywhere else. It wasn't it wasn't up there on like, you know, your your uh various urban dictionaries and such. But who how knows? deep There's, into the world of cocaine inf- did you go? Exactly. There seems to be infinite phrases that mean do cocaine. So I I generally believe it, but I don't know. I just didn't see anyone else corroborating, that's all. Uh, I was just eating frosted flakes the other night. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, again, uh, appreciate all of that, and uh, I think it was Paul as well from the Classic Wrestling Guy that had shouted us out at the uh, Good Wrestling Podcast response, so again, appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah, anyways, now let's uh, talk about some wrestling, Tony, because you said you, there's a lot going on in the current world, and we definitely talked about a whole lot in the current wrestling. Uh, that's yep. probably a big reason why this episode is probably lengthy, uh, but... Before we can dive back to the world of yesteryear, we saved a little bit of that current wrestling because it was just too good to talk about it in the post show. We got to talk about it at the beginning. In the and Sid. it wouldn't and it wouldn't take as long. Yeah, to keep things tight. Yeah, got to keep it tight in the Sid vicious dishes. That board with this look on my face. It was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. Tony, we are live, and hopefully with no technical difficulties. What is going on this week? Well, sir, first of all, we never laughed about how silly it was when they added a train horn to Braun Strowman's theme song. <laughs> it I was. Didn't that, it, I didn't notice how silly it was until the Thunderdome entrance when there was like right. steam coming out of the stage, and I was like, "Oh, okay." But that's not the topic tonight. Tonight, I want to talk about retribution. Because DP retribution is a mystery, and we don't know. <clears throat> I just love about the, it. I love the the Star Wars sand people celebration that they, they all, all do. I swear <laughs> that's what they showed in like the performance. Like just do this. Like ooh, 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 just hold your hands over your head. <clears throat> yeah. So on Raw, they had t- this was my favorite. Oh man, this week was the worst week. I love that it's getting worse before it, before they reveal anything. It's just not just oh. as wonderful. So Drew was cutting a promo on Randy Walton, you know, that's Game of the Thrones voice. And then Retribution attacks the production truck. I yeah. mean, like this is, I mean, this is serious. Yeah. Like this is a big deal. Like these are people that aren't a part of the show. You know, this yeah. shouldn't be happening. And they're literally in the production truck. I love that they take the shot. Who took the shot of like of them being attacked in the production truck? Yeah, so why is there a cameraman in the production truck is the question. Yeah, so anyway, but so but, they're back there. 
like pushing pushing people around breaking laptops Bre- yeah breaking laptops and keyboards that weren't attached to anything which I that has nothing to do with anything it's like the one empty desk where like you can put notes if you're in that second line that demands things of the people that are actually yeah. controlling things so they do all that and then I, my favorite part was that they go, like, take it off the air oh they took it off the air i missed like, that so they, they threaten the guy with glasses like against the wall and he like <laughs> pushes the button and like they go off. You need to go to commercial. Okay. <laughs> but, but okay, so this happens. And do you know what we do when we come back from commercial? Well, first of all, we come back from commercial. <laughs> yeah. No one from the network stops in to let us know that, hey, we're working on it. And everything's fine. <laughs> Apparently, within the three-minute break on television, all those guys and gals just left the truck without incident, and everybody just got back to work. No police were called or reports to be given. No one's traumatized. Everyone just gets back to work and produces the show. I hope they like, like in like two weeks, they retcon it and they like try to smooth over the like. Because you're pointing out a very big hole of why are they leaving. But like, I just I want like footage of Vince McMahon personally paying them money to leave every time. Like, all right, fine. Here is this enough to go away this time? Okay, all right, here. And like, at least that would have an explanation. Right. But yeah, they just I don't understand why they keep leaving. And this one was a really blatant and, version of why would they leave? Disgruntled employees. Why are they like chasing Caleb Braxton backstage and swinging poles at Corey Graves and chasing Michael Cole away from the desk it's on SmackDown? It's the road like, crew. The road crew is retribution. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's no jobs. Sick of, sick of these people. So, and, and not only that, folks. That's it. Like that. Retribution's done. Which was that's which show good. is this? SmackDown or Raw? Raw. Raw. Okay. I was, yeah, no, I was making comments about other things they've done. But that, that, that's they here. They were here for the first segment. They sent us to commercial break. How nice of them to do it on time. Um, <laughs> and then we came back. I like to think that they're all back there. In their like black hoods, pr- like running the show, like they're producing, like at the <laughs> like they're you know taking the shots and that would be you know, awesome directing. if it was just like the entire thing is just a, a way to to visualize how they're going to get rid of the shaky zoom in zoom out cams and they just mm-hmm. like this retribution crew is just a crew of sick of Kevin Dunn's zooming cam and that's all <laughs> they're getting rid of. They're just going to run the show without that. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's far but too no. good of an idea, so that won't happen. No, um, that's never gonna happen. And then on the, and then on SmackDown. Again, these guys get their business done early, which I appreciate. You know, they're in the first segment and then they're done. Um, Vince McMahon, of course, was putting over the Thunderdome, which was pretty cool. We talked about that in the current wrestling part. Um, and then Fiend showed up, and his interests looked pretty cool. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. And Braun showed up, and nobody was happy about that. Um, but before anything could happen to Vince or you know whatever, Retribution showed up and... You know, the fiend disappeared after the lights went out, which I liked that touch. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and Braun was taken down by probably a dozen people. Or How so. did Vince get out of there again? Uh, the fiend grabbed him and they grappling hooked to the ceiling. I think. No, I don't. He must have rolled out because I don't. Like I don't think he got retribution showed up. Or was well, he? That's in a the- good idea. Where was Vince once <laughs> retribution showed up? Because I don't remember him leaving, but I also don't remember him being in the ring when Retribution was there with those two. Because I thought right. when Bray waved at him to then disappear, he, yeah. that he was it was just Braun. 
Oh, was Vince gone too? That's I thought Vince point. was gone, but maybe I'm wrong. I might be misremembering. I, I apologize if I am. It'd be cool if he was. I don't even know. I, <laughs> it's odd that I didn't notice that though. But okay, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, so that happened. Retribution beat Brown up. Their locker room ran him off, and that's it. And but not only is that, they're it. still tr- the company. Like, not only are they only being in the beginning, but the company's yeah. acting still. Like every time that they mention retribution, like it is building, and they're continuing to get worse, and like, right. and, and they're scared, right. and yeah, and then some SummerSlam. Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> second biggest show of the year. I don't know, maybe the Rumble's the second biggest, but you know, yeah. biggest show of the summer, and a fucking catchphrase of "You'll never see it coming." Yeah. And you don't have any retribution involvement unless is the, <laughs> is the big dog I don't is think the, big the big dog running there. retribution? I don't know. That'd be interesting. Oh, man, the big dog running no, retribution. When, I mean, for a while, I was really curious if it was just going to be like Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, and like all the people <laughs> that didn't want to come to work during COVID. Like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, yeah, the complainers. It's uh, all no. the retribution guys, but no. I got to say, too, as far as like when you're trying to think about possibilities, if it's not the catering crew, as MVP calls them, like Cedric Alexander, Ali and Ricochet and Apollo, (laughs) because otherwise that would explain why they're the constant like vague, sad meme on Tuesdays after they weren't in a match on Raw guys. Like, hopefully that's the excuse for all that, because otherwise those guys are all driving me crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully they're retribution. There's not been a lot for them right now. Um. <laughs> but So yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where you hope. You shouldn't give them this much credit, but you hope that they have a, in, an they, end game. They, they, like, they know where they're going. I have to hope. Well, yeah. Did they say what, like, why Retribution didn't attack SummerSlam? Did that come up? I can't they, remember. They, they haven't found the... No, I guess they have already found the Amway Center, haven't they? No, I... Nope, I don't know. Because yeah, you could have also just said like, "Oh, we beefed up security." Yeah, when they built the Thunderdome, I thought for sure that was what they were going to say. It was like, "We can right. now keep retribution out," and then you would have, you know, until yeah. after SummerSlam to not have them attack. Right. And but then no, you they already find a way in. But no, they blew their load like immediately as soon as they got into yeah. the Thunderdome. They're like, "Oh, retribution's here." Yeah. yeah, the Thunderdome's been penetrated, so we already know that it's not impenetrable. But it hasn't been Molotov cocktailed yet. Uh, that could be cool. They'll throw like a Molotov cocktail at the video all the screen, video screens and explode. all the video screens will turn to flames. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. The like, virtual universe is on fire. Retribution is burning right. down the universe. Right. I saw somebody mention like the Miz being behind all of this, because they show up late to something after they like. Yeah. I just that don't seems see like a red a, herring to me. I don't see a path. Where they could explain that in a way that I'm not going to be like, like that yeah. just no. I could see the be, Miz getting tough. involved with uh, the ninjas and because uh, Tazawa before I could see him being involved with these guys. It's the ninjas. It's totally the ninjas. Yeah. So but yeah, I don't know. There's your retribution report. <laughs> yeah, so, I was just so curious that they're like, well, we're just not going to attack SummerSlam and, and nothing on SummerSlam and. We'll talk about it more next week. Nothing on Raw as far as what I've seen. And I hadn't I'm, thought about that, but you're right. I hadn't seen I it. I believe I'm at least halfway point. So If it just disappears, good. I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> There's at least no, no way. Dude, <laughs> they can get away with the hacker. 
if they can get away with some of the, like the Liv Morgan pushes and all these other like things that just stop happening, but they cannot at this point just stop talking about it. It's like, well, one day they just stopped attacking us. Apparently, their jobs let them back into their, you know, they were they weren't essential, so they're upset, and that's why they attacked. Uh, they've all moved. They've moved on. I guess. Yeah, so that's uh, I guess that's a current current world current look. Do you want to head on back in our time machine now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we got to get back 17 years to this day. Uh, yeah, still at this point when we're recording um, to August 24th of 2003 is when we got to get back to. <laughs> but we got to get back to it moments before my junior year of high school began. The 11th grade for all of you non-Americans, but I got four things to take us back there. The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things are... Number one. Speaking of you non-Americans, on August 10th, the highest temperature ever recorded in the UK happened in Kent at 38.5 degrees Celsius. Tony, do you know what that translates to in American Fahrenheit? You are a son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> don't. It's fine. I wouldn't either, but... I mean, Do you want to guess? What I'm what I'm thinking it is, it seems ridiculous because it's not very high, in my opinion. What do you think it is? Isn't it about double? So yeah, about that? double. I think it's like double plus something is the usual okay. like conversion rate. I don't know the exact thing, but like as as okay. you get higher, it gets all out of whack. Anyway, oh, I thought you I thought you were ready to like school me with the answer. No, I do have the answer. It's one one point three degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. So one hundred and one is the highest temperature ever recorded in the UK, and that stands. Today, in 2020, today? it's never been hotter. And so I was just like, can I get a like temperature refugee status to go to the UK at this point? Um, <laughs> Sounds nice. But in 2003, it was just apparently hot because the next day on August 11th, the heat wave led to temperatures of 44 degrees Celsius or 112 degrees Fahrenheit in Paris, France, which resulted oh. in 144 people dying. Good God. From 112? Yeah, from 112 degrees, yeah. So Arizona needs to move to France and school them on how to get by these hot temperatures. Did they just... No, nah, I don't want to make light of it. Never mind. No, I'm it's stop terrible it taste. people die. I, but... I, I was, was going to make like a funny but tasteless joke. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Number two, August 14th through the 16th was the Northeast Blackout of 2003, when parts of Ohio, Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, and a bunch of other those little East Coast dot states uh the new englanders yeah those new englanders along with the canadian province of ontario were plunged into no power at about 4 p.m on august 14th uh most places had restored power by midnight however new york city and toronto only got back to full power a full two days later which is why it has such a uh amount of attention drawn to this blackout but well and remember cities that yeah and cities that size (laughs) Without power, the things go bad are, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I've, I didn't I didn't necessarily remember that. Did your area in Ohio were you affected by this? I was not affected by this at the time. I was living in uh, in the southern Indiana, but very close to oh, Ohio. Yeah, right. um, but right. the blackout's proximate cause has a very close Ohio uh, t- uh, <laughs> tint because it was a Cow. software bug. And the alarm system at a control room of First Energy, which is an Akron-based Ohio company, which rendered and now is uh, part of the $60 million bribery scheme that 
took down our Ohio House leader anyways, uh, which rendered operators unaware of the need to redistribute load after overloaded transmission lines drooped into foliage. So it should have been a manageable local blackout cascaded into the collapse of the entire Northeast region for two days. My gosh. Yeah, that's that would suck. I mean, like, it was only I mean, at least it was only two days. I mean, I say that not having to have experienced it, but you know, you, <laughs> my goodness, you wouldn't want things to go much longer than that. It'd get real bad real quick. Absolutely. Number three, taking a look at what Hollywood was putting out into the world in American cinemas in the lead up to tonight's event on August 1st, Tony, the film Gigli released making seven million dollars and it's like in a in a pre like twitter everyone freaking out on social media world yeah like geely managed to like create that kind of buzz yes <laughs> it was everywhere everybody was talking about geely and how bad that it was. was have you seen it yes what was it warranted in your opinion dude it's pretty bad it is it's so bad. It's pretty fucking bad. It, like it's one of those movies where it's like its heart's in the right place, but it just does it wrong at every turn. Yes. Yep. Uh competing with Gili that weekend was a much better film, surprisingly, uh, because the second one isn't that great, but American Wedding, the third, holds up and it is a good one. Uh American Wedding released making two hundred and thirty two million over its time in theaters. I mean, those were the those were the comedies of our teen years, you know, yeah. you, you and I, at least of our age group in our yeah. early thirties, you know, those were it. You saw American pie. You were too, you were too young to be watching it. You shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> yes. You know, a couple of years later, then, you know, the second one, I was old out. enough to see the second one. And then I was just disappointed. <laughs> well, you know, the sequels are always tough, but I'm just saying like, it was one of those kind of like the scary movie franchise. Well, not really past three, but you know, you, you kind of grew, you know, you oh, grew yeah. up, you know, with that, with those, with those films or whatever, so they have a soft spot for them. But you know, looking back now, very little of that would is, would fly. <laughs> you know, or <laughs> it's all in pretty bad taste. Oh, but I, I I still enjoyed the third one. I watched it about a year ago. It was it was enjoyable. Number eight or number August eighth is what I'm looking at. August eighth, uh, Freaky Friday released, make 160 million dollars. Yeah, she's Along on her with- way to stardom. Do you remember how we've talked about uh, those various movies that we just really enjoy that are, aren't good, but they're just action movies that are fun, but they're bad? Sure. And they're, oh, yeah. We know they're bad. SWAT released, making $207 million. I still love watching that movie, but it is, it's yeah. not good, but it is fun. No, no, but it's awesome in that bad way. Like It's very <laughs> cliche. It's very... Yes. I was like, it's right there know. with me for like Den of Thieves. SWAT right. is right in that same vein. It was also at that time when they were just like, you know, get anything with Colin Farrell out there as fast as you can. Oh yeah, put <laughs> so. him in Daredevil. God damn it! Um, hey, you know what? That's actually one of his better things. I didn't mind him in that movie. August fifteenth, another movie that I really like, but it doesn't get a lot of love. Freddy versus Jason released again. I'm, I'm I'm a fucking junior in high school. What do you want me to do? I love all these movies, but yeah, how much time do we have? I can tell you all the thousand reasons why that's an amazing film right there. Um, <laughs> Freddy versus Jason is so much fun. I'm a sucker for it. I'm also a big horror fan. And so, yeah. like, the fact that this happened, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. You know, mm-hmm. like, something like this could even come together when you think about, like, the competing studios and just all the, yeah. the, the hoops you have to jump through for that. Because <clears throat> this took years to happen. You know, mm-hmm. one of the coolest things that... It was it rumored for up, years. Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell, which came out in, like, I think, 94? You know, I don't remember, okay. 95 or something like that. You have, at the end of the freaking movie... Freddy Krueger's hand comes up out of the ground, you know, and like 
pulls the Jason mask down. So yeah. I mean, that tells you how long before that, you know, that the, the these the wheels were turning. Absolutely, yeah, that one's a good one. It made 114 million dollars, uh, which you know, when you're talking Should about a horror film, probably plenty. Uh, August 22nd, the last weekend before this show. Uh, not as many uh, really memorable films for me, but Jackie Chan starred in The Medallion. Kind of think things were going down the other side of the hill for Jackie at that point. Yeah. And then also My Boss's Daughter released that weekend, making $16 million. Oh, this, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher, the movie star. I thought so. What happened to you? <laughs> oh, I started wearing a ribbon on my wrist and I wouldn't remove it for movies. Um <laughs> So yeah, so then a week after our show, wanted to make mention of it, the fantastic documentary The Backyard released. Uh, it actually got a theatrical release. According to the numbers, it made $3,000 in theaters. So not a great release there, but I definitely enjoy The Backyard. Check that shit out. The Lizard oh, yeah. Rules. Yeah. Uh, you got to check it out. Awesome stuff. Number four. We now move to the musical side of popular culture with a song I was obsessed with as a kid shake your tail feather at number three currently on the charts Um, i'm sorry beyonce and jay-z however sitting at the top of the charts with the song that in my brain still defines beyonce's if you said you know if you say like beyonce solo music this Mm -hmm. chorus starts playing in my head to today okay okay 2003 yes to today okay beyonce crazy in love So yeah, there you go. Beyonce, Crazy in Love. How long was that song number one? Had to be forever, right? It said it was number one the week before this one. Um, okay. I didn't check how much before that, but it had been on the charts for 15 weeks at that time. So okay. I'm assuming it probably reached number one pretty quickly. But yeah, no, no, you know, it's, it's just what's so time. wild about someone with the longevity like she has is you say like that's the most recognizable song. And I might agree with you, but that's also based on our age. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, she's had a whole other existence, oh, you know, absolutely since then. I mean, so there's people that probably wouldn't, you know, think that way. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, yeah, there's definitely, there's the majority of people probably would not think that that song defines Beyonce's right. solo career, but that's just immediately what comes to mind whenever I think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that brings us now to August 24th of 2003. Tony, when 16,113 fans packed out the America West arena, in Phoenix, yeah. Arizona, for SummerSlam, uh, built in 1990 and opened in 1992, the American West Arena is now known as Talking Stick Resort Arena, which uh, has been a mainstay for Vince McMahon. When you actually look at the uh, the shows that have been there, he started out in 1993 shooting a wrestling challenge there. Then, like, wow. continued to bring Raw and SmackDown. Nitros were taped there. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of jacked and velocity. All the tag along shows that come with Raw and right. SmackDown. Oh yeah. Yeah. But interestingly, in 2003, it got renovated, and that brings Vince McMahon right back. He loves those goddamn renovations. He comes <laughs> back with 2006's Judgment Day, 2008's Cyber Sunday, 2012's Money in the Bank, 2013's wow. Royal Rumble, 2017 Elimination Chamber, and 
NXT TakeOver Phoenix most recently was there in 2019. Damn, yeah. Well, also, I just think Phoenix in general is a a spot that they, you know, it's a nice spot on the loop there. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, this was, you know, the crowd on this night to say that they're going to get their money's worth. Mm. TBA. I'm curious to see how your feelings are on this show because there's there's some great stuff on this show, but there's also some not uh, great stuff on this show. Stri- strikes and gutters, dude. Yes. Strikes and gutters. Yes, strikes and gutters. So that brings us yeah to 2003 Summer Fest had a reported 415,000 buys, which is which is not bad. Seems, yeah, that seems pretty good, but, but I don't it's know. You know. Down about a hundred thousand from the year before. Yeah. And it is higher than the next year. 2004 would be the low point for a little while. It hit 415,000. It started rising after that. But well, I'm pretty sure like the real low general, point yeah. is 2011 with mm. 260,000 buys. Or if you go to like 1996, then it gets down to like 157. Yeah. Well, just wrestling in general, you know, the attitude wave, they kind of rode that. Mm. And then the invasion year, I know cr- creatively that's not remembered fondly, but, you know, invasion, I think, is still one of the most successful pay-per-views in the company's history yeah even if and, the storyline's getting muddled up you're still getting those right. stars that are bringing in buys right so they rode that and into 2002 but you know if you think you start thinking about these years moving forward before they turn pg i think it's part of the reason why they went pg because i was like look i think we've exhausted and lost mm-hmm. that you know attitude bump it's time to go another way yeah unlike the 90s and unlike today as we discussed in our uh, i don't know if we discussed it in our current wrestling are in just a little clip that I hopefully recorded, but um, like today, they've got taglines on everything now. We've got taglines uh, for all the shows. Back in the 90s, we had taglines. 2003, we're in the middle where taglines are passe now. We don't do taglines anymore, so there's no feel the heat. No, you'll never see it coming. None of that. Get on your feet. Yeah. Um, the Fink. Yeah. Go ahead. The Fink is here. He tosses to Lillian Garcia. Who sings the national anthem? This is when, like, I, I always appreciated like Lillian getting this opportunity, but I also always felt like this is when Vince was just like, "Yeah, we're done bringing anybody like in to do that. Why would? Yep. Why have anybody else in the national anthem? We have Lillian Garcia out there." Well, I mean, honestly, though, like when she like she killed it. I thought she did it great. Oh, sure. It was one of those things where I was just like, "How does she not get asked to just do this for like random sporting events like today?" Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just surprised, like, she just doesn't, like, tour around just singing national. I mean, obviously not right now in the COVID situation, but just in, like, in the normal, like, just singing before NHL games and before NBA games and that sort of thing. I think she does occasionally. Okay. And I know she does the ring announcing work for that, uh, oh, I can't remember. Some, one of those MMA leagues that it's on, it was on ESPN, like PFL or something like that. Okay. Because one day I was, like, looked up, I was like, hey, that's William Garcia. So. (laughs) So then. After Lillian sings, the the crowd fucking loves it, by the way. Like, when she gets to the flag was still their line, like, they're losing their minds. It's 2003, of course. But we go to the opening video. It's people on the beach, summertime's happening, then the sun goes down, it all goes dark, and in the black and white, we reveal the ugliness of wrestling. We see Kane unmasked, and this evil chamber, and a very low voice reads over a thing about men with virtues and greed. And I just have in my yep. notes, I feel like this music's been replaced. <laughs> right. Turns yeah. out it has. Usually you can, you know, once you get about halfway through these things, a lot of times on the ones that they've stripped the music from, yeah. it starts to become clear. That it's like something seems off here. 
Yeah, like, you, okay, you mentioned something seems off. This is the exact moment that I felt something was off because all of a sudden there's just a long, like, just background noises. And I, that's when I was like, oh, there's not music. It's just, like, horror movie sounds. Yeah. This is just... Yeah. Behind stuff. For a while. Yeah, it just goes on. <laughs> so, I was curious about this, and I was just like, what the hell happened here? And so... I looked it up, and yeah, the original is way different. There's music in the back. There's like a choir singing. The guy that's reading is reading slightly slower. Like, I think they sped up the voice just slightly. And uh-huh. also, they cut out like half the script. So here is what you hear on the WWE Network if you're listening to it. I'm just going to play it. Wars will be waged on the most brutal of battlegrounds. For it exists inside a structure that confirms there is pure evil in this world. It exists inside minds to which the unthinkable springs to life. And it exists inside the squared circle before Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee, for the men whose virtues have taken a back seat to greed. That's where it cuts. And then we just get that long moment of just silence. Yeah, and video. And it's just like, what the hell happened here? So I looked up the original. There's like a copy on Daily Motion from like 2004 that someone posted. (laughs) (laughs) And so like the audio is not great, but you can actually hear like the the backing music and just the. I just wanted to play part mainly because I want you to hear the rest of the script that just got cut out. That they're like, we can't put this on there for some reason. I don't understand why it was cut at all. Unless they just like had, they have like a time limit they had to hit on the network? I don't understand it. Anyways, here it is. shit i don't understand it it gets it gets pretty dark but like you're but like uh, that's what you produced i don't, know. I don't understand why you change it for the network no you're right no i mean i don't know why you change it now but i mean listening to it i'm not saying like i think it was the right thing to do but yeah it gets, it, the death of humanity and no, the devil wrong. himself and 
I mean, that's I how love they it. Would it's sell, cool that's shit, how they but... were selling the Elimination Chamber. Now they're like faking right. it. They're like, no, we used to sell it the same way we did today with weird like screeching sounds and like <laughs> vague references right. to greed. Right. No, that's a great like open. I love that. You know, I love that whole thing. So I did. But too, you man. know, like most things on the network, they've destroyed it. So there you yeah. go. And another thing that's changed really quickly because it was changed. I'm not going to play it for you, but the oh, yeah, Raw SmackDown present was originally. Raw, SmackDown, and Stacker 2. YJ Stinger present SummerSlam. Huh. And they just fucking edited that out and changed the graphic. And uh, and did you mention that St. Anger? Oh, the- yes. And then, yeah, St. Anger by Metallica is the theme song that, of course, has been... I mean, you know, when you've got Metallica doing it, I kind of understand that you're not going to be well, able to pay for that in perpetuity, but... I guess. It's really frustrating because, man, it just, they pulled it out. Because it's playing constantly. Like, I, I didn't realize yeah. that I was cutting audio, but, like, they had to replace all kinds of shit with, like, the JR and just King talking mm-hmm. over top yep. of music playing. Like, yeah. Anyway, so that kind of sucks. But, it, you know, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's um, great. JR starts the show by telling us the exact number of people that are here 16,113 people. Because it's funny you mentioned that. Why that stacker two thing? Because I even have here. Why is there no sponsor for SummerSlam? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. Like the why, I don't understand uh, the reason to strip the sponsor. Like that's part of what I love watching I, about these I old shows. Like, I feel like we've figured as we've come across that it tends to be defunct, like companies and brands. That's true. Yeah. Like when we go, yep. when we go back and it's Snickers, I feel like it's still Snickers. <laughs> people that they you can know? still get money out of, like today. Yeah. The, yeah. When it's when it's some weird like you know. Call three two one ten ten two twenty. Like yeah, I, I I feel like those are the ones that we've when we've been like, why'd they get rid of the sponsor? And it's like, oh, because it's something that failed. That's probably true, but it's just like that. That's part of the fun. That's part of the charm of the time of what you're checking out. Like you're exactly. To, uh. Oh, I love when I find old wrestling shows on like YouTube that still have the commercials in. Yeah, like, you think I want the commercials cut? I want you to leave the commercials in on that stuff <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Oh man, there's some channel like a uh, slight sidebar here. If you if you right. are into old commercials, there are entire channels on YouTube that will oh, just yeah. give you oh, 90s know, yeah. commercials, like specific oh, years. Yeah. Like you can get like the uh, you know 1997 fall commercials from like, right. from ABC. Right. Like it's like oh okay, right. It's like I want the Team Knight Rider promo on the WCW Worldwide episode I'm watching yeah, in 1998. Okay, sure. I, I need that. So we've got J.R. and King in the usual WCW-specified Eric Bischoff Raw position. Um, Cole and Taz are at ringside. They're, they're getting hyped about the show. Uh, they're getting hyped for the Brock match specifically. And then the Spanish announcers talk about something. We don't know. But that but i, I got to stop you. Did you notice the Spanish announce team are dressed exactly the same? No, I did not like, notice this. They're wearing like matching jackets and shirts. Like I couldn't really, like, I couldn't <laughs> tell if it was on purpose or whatever. But they almost look like they're you know wearing the exact same thing. They probably did it on purpose. Yeah, maybe we'll get a little more attention this way. Uh, yeah, yeah. That takes us to match number one, where our world tag team champions, Rene Dupree and Sylvain Grenier, the uh, La Resistance, are going to be defending against the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon. Oh, 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 yeah, we've got uh, a lot of resistance here. Rob Conway. And we just go so back and- a reminder, we're in 2003, so this is prime America hates France for no goddamn reason. Freedom fries! <laughs> yes. So the um, Dudleys have their yeah. American flag. La Resistance are very French. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah. 
Rob Conway, we get some video looking back at uh, his hijinks as he <laughs> posed as a service member at one point and yeah. took the Dudleys out with a flag, which that's <laughs> something that would, people would not be too happy about today. Well, um, they, didn't, they didn't burn the flag. They just broke the flag pole. Right. Oh, I know. I think it's okay, I know, but, but I don't know. I don't know the you rules. You know how they are. Um, the Dudleys would attack during the champion's entrance, which is kind of rude, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devon chokes Renee with his robe. Um, and then, did you hear Devon say "fuck you," or did I just <laughs> I mishear that? I missed it. I might. I mean, I'm sure he probably does curse quite a like, bit. He, when he's he hits that clothesline, and I just swear he goes "fuck you." <laughs> but I, you know, I, I could be mishearing things. That might be the case. Yeah, no, he's like a full-on powerhouse here early on with these clotheslines yeah. and high arm drag takeovers. Uh, the Dudley shirt right now. Did you take a chance to read what the shirt says at this point? Does it say always pound an ass? Oh, wait, no, that's the APA. No, what's no, it no. say? The back says blood is thicker than wood on, oh, on that. Uh, the front says, you know, Dudley boys. And then like in a box, like right here at the chest says <laughs> getting wood. <laughs> and then at the bottom, underneath the graphic part, it says mm. since day one. And so it's getting <laughs> wood since day one. But either way, it's still ridiculous. Uh, it's physically impossible. Um, I also just think it's sad that how as awful as those shirts of that era were, they still look better than anything that that company produces on a T-shirt nowadays. <laughs> it's like they don't even yeah. try. No, you're not wrong there. Uh, Devon gets a two count before tagging in Bubba Ray. There's a sign reading, we'll wrestle Gail Kim for any damn reason. Uh, Gil Which, Kim, not on the show. They're not going to even like feature any sort of women wrestlers almost in any way, really. No, 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 no. Um, and then they wonder why they're running out of Hall of Fame inductees. Bubba, as you mentioned, tags in, lays in shots to the back, chops in the corner. Uh, Bubba sat Sylvan on the top rope and just slapped him in the back. Then he stood on his crotch while he hung in the tree of woe. So very rule breaking. Lots of rule breaking from Bubba here. He would whip Renee into Sylvan in the corner and then splashed both men. Um, La Resistance regroups on the outside of the ring. Renee Dupree is in, uh, and Sylvan delivers a cheating knee from the apron. Yeah. Renee takes advantage of that and delivers a knee drop and begins choking Bubba Ray Dudley across the middle rope. So, yeah. La Resistance, the champions are in control. Uh, and they, they take over and they begin working over Bubba's midsection. That becomes the, the area that they target the most. It's it's not a it's not a body part on everyone, but on Bubba Ray, the stomach is actually a body part you can attack. Yes. Uh, the fans chant USA, USA. Dupree grabs a bear hug on Bubba. Uh, we get a Bubba bomb in desperation on Sylvan. He's able to get the tag on Devon after you know selling for quite a while here. Uh, we get neck breakers and flapjacks for everybody by Devon. Uh, two on Dupree. Uh, resistance hit each other on an attempted cheating move, but they're able to break up the pin regardless. Yeah. And uh, I noticed here, like, as the match is going on, the Frenchmen have been swapping without tagging constantly throughout the match. And King finally says something about it, like, the fourth time they do it. <laughs> and, and they don't look that much alike. No. I mean. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. He finally says something by asking Jr. who the legal man is, and Jr. goes, "I right. believe it's Sylvan." And as the words flow past his lips, Dupree the covers, and the ref counts the two count, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, I believe it's Dupree," and it's like, "Oh, wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved that moment. Uh, we get like a double team choke slam from La Resistance on Devon for a near fall. Bubba comes in. There was a clothesline to both men. 
We get the Dusty Punches, followed by the Waza Headbutt from Devon. A 3D on Rene Dupree, but Sylvan would break the count up. That would lead to Bubba attacking Sylvan. Devon is taken out by a cameraman. (laughs) And Rene Dupree would cover for the victory. Your winners and still Raw Tag Team Champions, La Resistance. I love this like old school Meltzer wig that he's wearing here because it totally threw me. I was like, I don't know who this ca- who is who could possibly could this ca- is like X Pac is in here. What is going on? Right, but no, it's no, yeah. uh, it's Rob Conway. Folks. Rob Conway, <laughs> who still, if you're ever feeling down, just get on YouTube and look up his "Look at Me" entrance theme music from WWE. Oh goodness, it's some of the worst of all time, but it's hilarious. Yeah, afterwards, King tells us he got knocked out with a Nikon. Uh, there you <laughs> yeah, go. Probably not. Yeah, La Resistance leaves in jubilation, celebration, all things. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, again, we only ever do these things in as randomly as possible. Yes. Uh, when, as the coach is here. Halfway down the, the entryway, coach On is going to do an interview. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, oh. He tells the Dudleys. That La Resistance is pretty clever. Yeah. Well, oh, clever? You say clever? Uh, La Resistance is tactics. But you gotta admit, they were pretty clever. Clever? What are you, one of those anti-American sympathizers too, coach? You know what I think about people who don't like America? I think they suck! (laughs) (laughs) This was not a, a time where you were allowed to say anything. Ill of the American way. You said the word clever. I think you're anti-American. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorist. Arrest him. That's how it went back then, folks. I don't know if you remember 2003. Oh, so we cut from that after he, because then he like goes on to just say, you know, the we're coming back for the belts. Um, we go to Karate Gear Eric Bischoff, which is oh, never yeah. a good thing. No. Well, in, you know, in walks Intercontinental Champion Christian. Who introduces himself and says, "You know, I'm the Intercontinental Champion. My name's Christian." And uh, Bischoff says he knows who he is. And then right. Christian so says, "Sarcasm." Yeah, I'm being sarcastic here. I'm trying to complain about why am I not on this goddamn show? How is it we come to uh, one of the biggest days of the year, SummerSlam, and me, Christian, your Intercontinental Champion, isn't headlining the show? Hell, I don't even have a match. I mean, come on, there's the peeps are riding in the streets. I wanted you on the card, but you know Steve Austin. He gets something in his head. He gets so stubborn you can't talk to him. Stone I cold, tried. Huh? Yeah. Stone cold. It was all his you fault. You know something? He's been so jealous of me and my connection with the peeps. I should have known he had something to do with this. I should have known. True. I, fucking, I, I laughed out loud. At the, <laughs> oh, he's yeah. been jealous of me and my connection with the peeps. That was fantastic. <laughs> no, Christian's amazing. Um, I can't remember, and I, maybe I shouldn't have asked. I should have looked it up. But the Intercontinental title was done away with at some point. Oh, is he like not even a legitimate intercontinental well, no, champion? No, 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 no. But like, no, I'm trying to remember if this is before that happens or oh, after okay. they brought it back. Because Christian, I think, wins it when they bring it back. But yeah, at some point, Triple H beats Kane when he's the intercontinental champion. Okay. And they just, it merged with the world title and there wasn't an intercontinental <laughs> title for a while. So I can't well, remember if this is before or after that. I just, I, I thought that this was a fun interaction here. You know, obviously it's a, a way to get Christian on the, the TV here for a little bit, but he yeah. tells Bischoff, you know, hey, if you need backup later on in your match with, uh, with that piece of shit Shane McMahon, just let me know. And Eric yeah. Bischoff reveals that he has backup lined up already, so no need for help. 
That's right. Christian would also ask Eric about Linda in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's your, there's your talk uh, when you were talking at the very beginning of the show about the, uh, right. the depths of the storylines on this show. Yeah. Um, Eric says he's going to walk to that ring and tell the whole world what happened with Linda McMahon behind closed doors. It's weird. He literally says, I'm a, I'm, I'm a gentleman. I don't kiss and tell. But he goes, but you know, right. I'll make an exception for you. In fact, I'm going to make an exception for everybody, and I'm going to go out <laughs> to the tell the whole world. It's like, wait, what happened to I don't kiss and tell? Right. Um, now we're going to set up our next match, and we, get, we see that A-Train hurt Stephanie McMahon, and uh, that meant that brought the taker to action to yeah, defend her. Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, last, yeah, because... Wasn't last one that Vengeance? Is that when Vince beat his daughter up? Well, she had a match with Sable. I don't know oh, if yeah, Vince Sable, ended up being Sable, in there, but right. yeah, A Train ended up running the fuck her over. That's right. And uh, yeah, we watched that show at some point not too long. We ago. learned that McMahon paid for that A Train involvement, and yep. then he began targeting the Undertaker, and so that's how we've gotten to this match. Yeah, but they uh, do a gimmick two by four spots. So that way we know that Taker's ribs are bad, so he's probably going to lose this match. Yeah, so yeah it's sure. Not. It's match number two. It's the Undertaker versus A Train. Now, not not A Train. It's A Train. Is he the A Train? Right, I think so. Because I did notice, like whatever the website is that I get the Dave Meltzer star reports from, had it listed as the Undertaker versus the A Train, and it made me laugh that it's like a physical train versus the Undertaker. Yeah, uh, Michael Blaine Cole comments that the Taker's bike is badass. Which, of course, immediately makes it not cool at all. Well, he's also doing so, while I was telling you in our text messages, when they replaced The Undertaker's music instead of American Badass or Rolling, uh, we th- also then replaced the motorcycle sounds. So he's just yep. silently scooting around the ring. Like, it literally looks like he threw it in <laughs> neutral and just rode down the hill and then rode out the way around the ring. Yep, exactly. No, it's so stupid. Um, but Taz calls Sable the ever-hot Sable. Yeah. Yeah, we should mention Sable is with the A-Train. She accompanies him to the ring. So there's just because he's Vince's hired gun. So that means Sable has sex with him. <laughs> That's it's pretty much what pretty blonde much what girls they, do in the Vince's WWE. Oh, what a time. Um, train is on top of Taker early. It has him. has the dead man in a side headlock. Uh, the Undertaker hits a Russian leg sweep. I don't remember him pulling that one out too often, but he well, also doesn't probably want to lift this big bastard too much. They do point uh, out his ribs are taped very early on. Like, ah, that's right. But it's, like, I think the first time that Taylor gets shoved in the corner, they very obviously have A-Train pull down his uh, his unitard there to show the, the taped ribs. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Train gets dropped with a big DDT as the Taker came off the ropes. Um, and then we start working the arm. Because yeah. I don't know. Why not? Well, because, you know, uh, you got to work the arm. That way you can hit the old school. But I will say oh, the crowd. that's right. In 2003, already fucking loves the old school, man. Like, they, oh, yeah. they, they always nuts. did. Yeah. And, no, uh, cr- yeah. So, yeah, they go nuts for Taker. He gets low bridged, however, and falls to the floor, hitting his ribs on the apron on the way down. A-Train runs him back first in the ring post. And this allows A-Train to just completely take over again. He continues to target the ribs. Back in the ring with forearms and knee shots. Uh, I have someone throws up a total nonstop action or total nonstop airwaves sign is what it said. I was like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah, no one does. Taker fights back with punches and a double clothesline and both men go down. 
Yeah, Cole tells us that Sable ran her hands through the hairy chest of the train and pinched his nipples, apparently. <laughs> Which, of course, leads to Taz explaining that his his nipples are pierced, you know. Um, oh, and then they get geez. cut off because they got to talk about the match. <laughs> yeah, Taker delivers snake eyes, uh, but the A-Train ducks a big boot, and both men are down after another double clothesline. They exchange punches. Big boot from Taker connects this time, followed by a leg drop for a two. Um, he would then hit the leg drop on the apron. Classic Undertaker. Um, two clotheslines from the Undertaker in the corner, and then a, an attempted last ride, but the train would push him away, taking the ref out in the process, which leads to one of my least favorite things that happens in wrestling matches. Ref goes down. Heel gets the advantage. Yeah. So it's his finisher and the ref's down and the so. heel like a train before the ref went down, hit his like sit out choking power bomb. Right. Yeah. And then Taker just kicked out at two and then they do the push and then inadvertently take out the referee. Like it just, well, that was the second time he went all the way down on the clothesline. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. So yeah, because then the a train hits the bicycle kick and goes and gets a chair. Yeah, he grabs the chair, Taker big boots the chair, the ref barely counts, but A-Train's able to kick out at two. Undertaker picks him up, ducks a clothesline, hits the choke slam, and pins A-Train, one, two, three. And your winner's the Undertaker. Yeah. And Cole I mean, like- is driving me absolutely insane with his pronunciation of veteran. The veteran! The veteran Undertaker! The veteran! That's just driving me nuts. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so this leads to Sable coming into the ring to seduce the dead man. <laughs> yeah, which always works To stop him from hurting the train. Yeah, this is uh, this is also, you know, he's he's not crossed out or started getting removed the Sarah tattoo, so I'm assuming he's a taken sure. man at this point. Right. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, he then goozles Sable <laughs> yeah. and holds her by the throat for Stephanie McMahon to come out. I was really kind of hoping that Steph would take a while and we were going to get another like Undertaker uh, Ultimate Warrior situation with him just standing and staring at her while he's holding her throat for a long time. But no. That would be good. No, Steph runs in, jumps on her, begins ground and pounding her, but A-Train runs over, grabs her ankle, and pulls her out. And it's at this point that we get my favorite moment of Taz throughout the entire night. I just I was like, oh, okay, that's that's fun, Taz. <laughs> exactly. Um, the coach is in the crowd with the people, asking who will leave the show as the champion. Uh, we get a couple of Goldbergs. What was with the misdirect here? Like, why did they show us Chris Jericho backstage while we throw to the coach's audio from next well, to ringside? Because they did that thing on the show where everybody that was in the match got to have that like backstage yeah. shot of them like taping up or warming up, and this is just where they decided to put Jericho's. And the and co- but really it just seems odd that it. the coach is like not talking about Chris Jericho specifically at all. Like right. it's just there's a lot of speculation. He sets it up like no one can agree who can who's going to win tonight. But like you said, we get two people that tell us it's Goldberg. There's so much. On who will walk out the world heavyweight champion here tonight, Leah Gary? Who do you think is going to leave here the world heavyweight champion? Oh, uh, no doubt about it, Goldberg. Goldberg for you, the man. Goldberg. Goldberg, obviously for you. A lot of speculation. It's a raw main event tonight, the elimination chamber match. 
So much speculation. It's like, what do you mean speculate? I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess that's one way to describe it. Oh. Um, JR and the King then begin discussing Eric Bischoff and Shane McMahon's feud. Yeah, they say it's the most personal match in a while. Well, <laughs> yeah, con- the yeah, considering what they insinuate. Yeah, so we go to the hype video. Uh, Shane has been going after Kane. And sure. <laughs> Bischoff was told he's not allowed to allow Shane to do that. Right. So after they began fighting, Kane came out and attacked Shane and tombstone him on the steel steps. And coach was on play by play at that time. For some reason, um, Oh, it's because JR was recently burned by Kane alive. Um, yeah. So JR is going to sue Bischoff's ass. That plays into this somehow. Mm-hmm. It just amazes me how much is like weaved into into this. JR only agreed to not shoot Bischoff if he faced Shane McMahon. And so, Kane. Sto- yeah, Kane. Sorry, Stone Cold reveals that he signed a contract to face Kane. And Kane, no, yeah, that's right. He agreed to face Bischoff or Shane, and then it was revealed as Kane. Mm-hmm. And then Kane almost chokes Landon, but instead backed away. And then we learned that there was more. So when he backed away, he got the 10 count and Bischoff won. Um, but that if you won that match with Bischoff, then you had to face Shane McMahon on the contract at SummerSlam. It's so fucking convoluted, but that is how we've gotten to here. Uh, and then Bischoff randomly rapes Linda McMahon. Pretty much. Yeah, he <laughs> went camera. to the house. Instead, he's going to beat Shane up for stealing WCW, and then he forced a kiss upon the chairman's wife. Yep. And then, I guess, we're left to believe that he had assaulted her. Yeah. At least the way that she was acting, it didn't seem like she was getting into it by the by the end of what right. we saw. And then, like, that's just kind of the end of the video. Like, yep, that happened. And here we go. <laughs> here, so, here we Bischoff go. comes to the ring. Oh, yeah. For Matt, I'll just go ahead and say match number three okay. is a grudge match. No holds barred. I, no, it's not no holds barred. Just a grudge match. But I, for some reason, kept being convinced that, like the next three matches were going to be no holds barred. Raw right. general co-manager Eric Bischoff versus son of the company owner Shane McMahon. Yeah. But yes, Eric is on the mic right away. And he tells us it's not a question of if we did it, but how many times we did it. See, Vince, there's a lot of things I don't understand about you, but why the hell are you running all over the country eating hamburger when you've got a hot, juicy, delicious filet mignon at home? Oh, my gosh. I don't get it. Now... It's not a question of what happened. It's a question of how many times it happened. And it happened again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, he tells us that now he knows where Shane gets all of his energy from. Yeah. So Shane's music hits right after he says that. Shane is interrupting a man that's talking shit about fucking his mother. Yeah. And what does he do? Dances onto the stage like his usual entrance. Oh, well, yeah, the entrance. <laughs> thing, yeah. I, was I was gonna, like, say, I was gonna say, well, he gets right out. in the ring and he starts pummeling him. No, yeah, once he gets to the ring, but, like, why would you dance right. onto the stage? Like, God damn it, just walk out there. No, you're right, that, that's a good point on your part. Why would you even have to wait for your music to play? Yeah. You know? Yeah, why aren't you like, in the ring already during this like, promo? 
you know, he should have been, yeah, he should have ran out there 30 seconds before he did without music and without any, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Eric would try to leave the ring, of course, um, and Shane would attack him on the entrance ramp. Uh, this should have been no holds barred. It's so annoying in, in the, you know, considering the stakes here, what happened, that we're having to deal with like a ref counting these guys out. <laughs> well, so while Shane is like beating yeah. the man that assaulted his mother, he has to also like intermit, like, roll into the ring to break a tin count at first i was real appreciative that they were doing that but it gets so repetitive like he is rolling in and out constantly <laughs> yeah oh hang on man who hurt my mother let me break up this ref's count <laughs> like this match should have just been a no contest you know what i mean like oh. shane should have ran out there like a crazy person well but and the just whole idea was that- dished off until the ref just you know yeah. couldn't control them and the match just ended that's true, I guess. But I mean, with the idea of that Shane wanting to have the match for so long, like they had to set up the fake contract just to even get the match. Oh yeah, I imagine right. that's part of why why he's you know relishing in it. But Good oh point. goodness, uh, bad kicks from Shane to Bischoff on the floor. He keeps breaking the ten count by rolling in and out of the ring. Uh, then as Shane is wearing Bischoff out, smack a chair across the back, and the beginning of a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's the coach. Heel the coach. coach. Sean Mooney that's been standing halfway up the ramp. The old Lord Alfred spot is is mm-hmm. here and he's got the chair and that's why he's been here apparently the whole time. I'm guessing that's the, the backwards, you know, because Bischoff has control. But um, right. yeah, the referee calls for the DQ bell. But before it can be rung, Bischoff grabs the mic and says, no, no, no. I just made this a no DQ and falls count anywhere match. Yep. And he has remember coach, that, yeah, remember that false count anywhere comment. He has coach throw uh Shane right into the steps. And I'm just like, Coach is acting like the muscle. Like he has his yes. his t shirt, like his his sleeves are slightly rolled up so that way he's got the biceps popping. It's yep. just it's hilarious to me that the coach is supposed to be the muscle of this situation here. That's right, man. I love it. It cracks me up. Um, he tells the coach to get Shane in the ring. And then Bischoff tells the truck to cut off the mic of Jim Ross and the King. And we're going to have the coach do in-ring commentary on the match. Yeah. Calls his own action, insults JR as they beat Shane up. Um, Eric kicks Shane McMahon um, until he finally begins fighting back. He then hits a DDT. But Eric Bischoff puts an end to all that fun with a low blow, and that brings out the Stone Cold one. Here comes Steve Austin. Oh, the glass shatters. The fans are excited. Here comes Steve, and the coach has to talk to him immediately over the mic. That <laughs> you're not. It's, it's funny that you mentioned like the beautiful, like re, like it is. It is something that results in a lot of good stuff with the coach. Yeah, it just it. runs for a while. Like, yeah, the heel coach is not a bad thing, but just the fact that he's supposed to be the muscle here just blew me away. That this is how he's introduced. <laughs> oh no, it's yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, he says he can't touch him unless he's provoked. 
Well, Shane McMahon shoves coach into Stone Cold. Dude, the, now he's been provoked. The not provoking versus provoking Stone Cold spot is a thing that is deeply ingrained in my memory of starting to watch wrestling. Like this was like right around the time that I was getting into it. I remember all these times when like someone shoves someone into Stone Cold and suddenly he's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants to. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Austin and Shane beat the hell out of the coach. Um, I mean, they, they beat the hell out of him, like yeah. big time. Uh, they toss him out, and Steve says, "Turn King and Jim Ross's mics back on," <laughs> and uh, kind of looks like he's leaving, and he doesn't though. And Shane does the same thing he did earlier by shoving Eric into Steve Austin. Oh well, no, no, he picks Shane up. He picks Eric up, and he he uses Eric's hand and slaps sh- uh, Stone Cold across oh, yeah, the face. Right. And so Stone Cold then hits the stunner on Bischoff as well. And uh, Shane pulls up off the pin. And I'm just like, dumb. This isn't good. Dumb. Don't do that. But I was like, <laughs> nope. Then it ended up being fine. Uh, Shane goes to the Spanish announce table. He puts Bischoff on the table. He climbs the corner turnbuckle and does the WWE video game spot that is in every game for the last, like, eight years. Uh, does diving elbow drop onto the table. Then pins him. One, two, three. Your winner, Shane McMahon. Yay. So, yeah, and then we get some post-match beer drinking, and uh, everybody goes home happy. Yeah, and at some point, Bischoff bladed after that, like, jump onto the table spot. I don't know. Like, somehow he's bleeding. Right, he wants to get his shit in. Uh, but, yeah, backstage now we go where Ric Flair and Randy Orton are chatting about Triple H remaining champion tonight after the match, saying, you know, the the plan is we go in with Triple H the champion, and you... Don't fuck it up, and you don't become the champion tonight. <laughs> you know, because Randy Orton is part of this elimination chamber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, young early Randy here before he would ultimately, uh, well, upset. Has Batista uh, already order. left? I don't know where he is. He might be hurt or something. Okay, <laughs> I'm not positive. Yeah, because he should. It seems like he should have been a part of this. So I'm not sure what the deal was. Uh, but yeah, as those two are discussing, you know, and Orton telling Flair that he understands. In comes Hunter. Well, of course, because the last thing that we hear right before Hunter walks into the screen is Randy saying, yeah, but what if? Right. <laughs> there, is there is no, what, is if. no what if. Yeah. God, this, this era Triple H is so obnoxious and oh. just the worst. He's the worst. It's there is no what shorts. if, Randy. Yeah, he's in his stinking bicycle shorts. You know what that means. Dark <laughs> Dude, this is Dark Ages, but I will tell you what, man. I love the way that the storyline for Triple H specifically carries out on today's show. But anyways, yeah, we'll talk about it more when we get to it. Um, right. Yeah, so that's that's a little peek into what's going on in the main event, but then we go back for match four in the arena. Yeah, match number four. It's a fatal four-way for the United States Championship. It's Chris Benoit, Tajiri, Rhino, and the champion, Eddie Guerrero. So this is oh. a uh, this is kind of a combination of two feuds with Benoit and Rhino being entangled with one another and Tajiri and Eddie Guerrero. And uh, then it all kind of got smashed together here for the pay-per-view. This is the match that I had circled as my like, all right, this is probably going to be my match of the night. Um, it ends oh, yeah. up not being my match of the night, but it is a very good one. I definitely enjoyed right. it. Um, yeah, again, very close. These four guys in the ring can't really go wrong. Do you know, DP, 
I was going to ask you because Eddie Guerrero just recently has won the returning U.S. championship here. You know, beating Benoit in the tournament finals after Somehow the belt they, had been re. They got rid of the Intercontinental and the U.S. championships, and then brought yeah. them both back. <laughs> yep. Um, could do you know who was the final United States champion? On oh, WCW. Yeah. Like Chuck Palumbo or somebody? I don't know. When they when they merged? No, no, no. I'll, this is invasion. It was invasion when the Intercontinental got melded with the United States title at Survivor Series when the invasion ended. Do you remember who the United States champion was at that time? He had a match at this year's WrestleMania. At this year's WrestleMania? Yeah. Goldberg? Edge. Oh, okay. Edge was the, and it's always, I always thought it was funny because Edge was the U.S. champ and Test was the Intercontinental champion Uh and Edge won the match, but they kept, but he was the Intercontinental champion. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's always, I've always wondered like why that was the case. But yeah, huh. anyway, so that so Eddie just won it after it'd been brought back and they decided, oh, we need mid card belts on both shows. How silly of us. Yeah. Yep. Cole tells us Cole, I mean, I was just I was pretty impressed actually that Cole is the man that was telling us this match is gonna steal the show. He was just like, This is gonna be the yep. best match of the night. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Um, um Eddie, ever being the thinking man's wrestler ducks out of the ring before the bell even rings. Yes. I loved his uh, Joker-themed colored uh, lowrider that he comes out that Cole calls a rainbow trout. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's green and purple. Okay, I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, you were talking about the. Yeah, we saw Eddie was attacked by all three men with that title belt on various SmackDowns, and all three were waiting on the champion to get in the ring here. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're, you know, ready for this. Uh, Eddie hands the ref the belt and immediately drops to the floor, like you said, very smart. Rhino and Benoit kind of get the action going. Uh, we get an early crossface that brings Benoit or brings Eddie in to break it up and then run off again. And I love that Eddie just like interferes and then runs back out. Yeah, that's pretty much what Eddie does throughout the duration of the beginning of this match. We have a kick to the head from Tajiri to Rhino, a scoop and a slam on Benoit, followed by a knee drop from Tajiri, and that gets a two. Rhino, though, would take Tajiri down with a clothesline for another two that Eddie broke up. Benoit hits a slam on Eddie. Tajiri with a spinning heel kick gets a two count. Uh, Rhino with a spear <laughs> in the corner, followed by a power slam, and he gets a two count. And real quick, it was like right after, like, because the third time Eddie ran in to break things up, that's when you mentioned uh, Chris Benoit, like, caught him and hit a slam on him. Um, mm-hmm. he, you know, he came, he kind of baited him in with the cover. Basically, as soon as he covered, he right. saw he was coming and he got up and grabbed him. Uh, but at that point, Cole again is like repeating the rules of the match for like the 15th time. Like he is, he keeps saying it. And finally Taz has to call him out on it. Again, the rules are simple. First man to get a pinball yes. submission becomes the U S champion. Right, oh. off with the rules. How many times the rules? <laughs> He's like, but whoever pins first gets the win. He's like, I know. I was in a lot yeah. of t- tornado matches. <laughs> no, Taz, that's not. That's fairly common. Like t- when Cole is just saying the same thing for the sixth time, Taz being like, we know. Like you don't yes. need to explain things again to us. Like sometimes he'll do it. Like when he's talking about a feud, oh, like, yeah. going back over. Like the, he's like, we know the history. Like okay, Can you talk shut about up. something that's happening in this match right now, please. Uh, right. Benoit hits that snap suplex. Taz called it vintage, which made me laugh that Taz was the one that used the word vintage. Uh, yeah. High angle back suplex by Benoit, but Eddie again breaks up the count. 
Eddie suplexes Benoit to the goddamn floor and throws Rhino out before then attacking Tajiri. Rhino, though, back in, hits a superplex, but Tajiri's right there to break up the pin. Yeah, right after the superplex, uh, Tajiri delivers kicks to the ribs and makes a cover as well for a two. Tajiri would catch Benoit with the backhand spring elbow, covers for a two. Rhino with a back suplex on Eddie for another two. So these guys, they're all going for the quick pinfall after the mm-hmm. high-impact maneuvers, maneuvers, and it's either being broken up or they're kicking out of it. Eddie with a flying head scissor on Rhino, then a step-up Huracarana on Chris Benoit gets another two-count. Uh, Rhino would send Benoit out of the ring, and then Eddie knocked Rhino to the floor and before putting the lasso from El Paso on Tajiri. So ben, yeah. or Eddie's in a position here with uh, Tajiri in a bad spot. And uh, Benoit and Rhino would both get in the ring, and instead of breaking up that submission hold, Benoit puts Rhino in the crossface. So we have dueling submission holds. Yeah, gutsy move from Benoit, I guess, uh, but yeah, seems kind of dumb. And <laughs> when you think about like right. just basic tactics, like break it up and then put that on somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I would have probably done. Um, yeah, Tajiri would get a rope break. Eddie then would break the crossface up. Uh, then Benoit puts Eddie in the crossface. Rhino to Jerry would break that up. Brutal spine buster from Rhino Ooh. on Badgers for a two. Yeah. Can't believe he got up after that. Uh, drop kick from Benoit sends Rhino flying out of the ring. To Jerry would then even knock the big man off the apron, attempting his back handspring elbow that Benoit blocked, hits a German suplex, and then another. Eddie, though, would come in. He would try to break up their fun. They both, he was back body dropped by both men. That distraction allowed Tajiri to counter the German suplex and deliver a beautiful bridging German suplex of his own that only manages a two count on the Crippler. Yeah, I love that back and forth with Benoit and Tajiri. Oh, like, that was good stuff, man. It's it's so sad, too, because like this is like the best of Tajiri, probably. And then after this, you get they, when they give him his little faction and he like dominates the cruiserweight division on SmackDown, oh, okay. which, is also great, which is also another good run of his. Nice. Well, and then I think he left. The jury sends Eddie off the top rope after Rhino gores the title belt. Uh, so he uses it to block the gore there. Uh, Benoit, though, ties the jury into the tree of woe. It's the falling headbutt from Benoit, but covers, but the jury is able to break that one up. Uh, and then, Jesus Christ, Benoit power bombs the jury straight to the floor, mm. out of the ring. Hmm. Eddie hits the frog splash after those two fell outside and pinned Rhino, and your winner and still champion is Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, well, the thing about that was that he wasn't supposed to powerbomb him to the floor. I wondered. It was Tajiri was attempting to take him out of the ring with the Hurricanrana. Yeah. And somebody didn't hold on or somebody didn't connect or hook up right yeah yeah Tajiri just free falls to the floor it's pretty ugly yeah big big win for Guerrero who retains his United States championship mm-hmm and Eddie leaves very quickly the ref checks on Tajiri and we see that Shawn Michaels is getting taped up in a hallway <laughs> yeah in a hallway I love that none of these guys have locker rooms like they're always getting dressed in like Underneath the stairs, or you know, well, the room. I kind of like that. At least in two thousand three, you know, they're still trying to like keep the idea that like not a lot of these guys get along with each other. So like, why would they kind of be in those shared rooms? I guess. But yeah. at the same time, it results in this weird thing because like I feel like this was also part of like the video game where like you were just always running around random like hallways yeah, and true. corridors. Yeah, and it's like apparently that's where you get taped up and get ready for the match. So Michael Cole takes us to SmackDown. 
where we see Thursday Night Smackdown, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just this past Thursday, when they finally decided that they were going to stop pushing Zach Gowan. And instead, they were going to have Brock Lesnar absolutely destroy him. Yeah, right in front of his, Un- Zach Gowan's mom. Uncomfortably destroy him. <laughs> yeah. And I love Taz's comment, oh, he looks unstoppable. Like, I don't mean to make offense here, but he's beating up a man with one leg. Yeah. When you're, like, giving him credit for looking a unstoppable. A kid. A kid with one leg at a this kid. point. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, the Taz, I was like, oh, yeah, I, amazing. Um, he would hit an F5 that would wrap the leg of Zach Gowan around the steel ring post. And then they put him on a stretcher. And Brock Lesnar is just a madman at this point. He knocks him off the stretcher, beats him up some more, wipes the blood of Zach Gowan across his own chest. Yeah. And so Cole says, yeah, Gowan, Gowan versus Hardy ain't happening tonight. We're not, not going to be able to have that one. Well, he says that. And I'm like, well, actually, it already didn't happen. Because it was supposed to happen on heat. <laughs> but, oh, it, you know, yeah. Matt took the forfeit victory. So Yeah, Matt claimed himself the victor. Hardy was announced the winner on heat, and that's that. And I was like, oh, so Zach Gowan's just not, not here. Okay. Yeah, and, and do you want to know what Brock Lesnar would follow this beautiful, or, you know, this beautiful symphony up with? He throws this poor kid down a flight of stairs like a week or two later. Oh, Jesus. Goodness. So, yeah, and all this is the Zach Gowan rise mm-hmm. has already puttered out. Gotcha. Like, this is our. And if you've listened to, and I can't remember the specific episodes, I've never done an episode on the guy, but something to wrestle. Bruce Pritchard pretty much has told, like, the whole Zach Gowan story. And mm-hmm. Zach Gowan himself now, in these in recent years, has explained, like, he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't mature at the time. He was. Yeah, he was fucking, young. like, really young. 20, like 19 or 20 years old, I think. But Pritchard said, you know, he just, he got a big head fast and it became a problem. Yeah, I know that sounds like you wouldn't think that, you know, this kid wouldn't, but apparently it it all went to his head pretty fast and he became difficult and unreliable. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that's why the push ended and Brock Lesnar destroyed him. Nice. So. Oh, goodness. The Fink announces him by forfeit. And uh, we go to a video from last month where we see Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and the Big Show had themselves a triple threat match. Yeah. Yeah. And Kurt Angle would win the WWE Championship. And afterwards, they did the respect angle where they hugged and Brock challenged for the rematch. And Vince told him, no, no rematch. You got to earn the rematch. And Brock says, well, how about I earn it by beating your ass? And Vince had a McMahon versus Brock steel cage match. That's right. To earn a WWE championship match, the boss was going to fight the <laughs> biggest person in the world, basically, in a cage. But Brock got attacked backstage and was concussed. <laughs> I uh, love this angle. And they play up the concussion angle in the match as Brock falls out cold and yep. Angle wouldn't count the pin as he was the special referee. And Angle locked Vince in the Angle lock, but Brock nips up and F5's Kurt Angle. It was all a swerve, bro. Oh, man. What a swerve. And since then, Brock Lesnar's been an asshole and has been beating up kids with single legs and other small men that are part of the roster. Yep. Yeah, Brock told Kurt they stopped being friends when Kurt won the title at Vengeance. So, 
Yeah. That's how Brock feels about things. That takes us to match number five. Match number five is for the WWE Championship. It is Brock Lesnar battling the champion, Kurt Angle. And there's yeah. a few anti-Lesnar signs on the way to the ring that we see on camera as Brock has, you know, turned heel at this point. I remember being yeah, so whole- shocked by this because I was not watching at the time. This is when I was only playing the video game. But last okay. year, Brock was the good guy, babyface, awesome, bad guy, or awesome, powerful guy that I was so excited to play with. And then the next right. year, we were playing the next game, and my buddy was like, no, he's a bad guy now. He's terrible. He beats up on <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I was like, why would he turn bad? And he, yeah, Michael makes- Cole, yeah. Michael Cole tells us that Brock has turned into a killer. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. And Brock does not yet have the chest tattoo at this point, but he does have the back tattoo. Um, Yeah, exactly. I loved the sign that read La Parca equals ratings as he was Mm -hmm. making his entrance. Yeah. Uh, Big mistake on their part to not brought brought La Parca in at that point, for sure. This one is a, a fairly lengthy match here, um, but it gets started with some great just back-and-forth amateur stuff, just Angle mostly getting the better of Lesnar, but Lesnar kind of you know, peeling out and res- resetting and uh, getting kind of angry and then starting to use his power to kind of take the advantage. Yeah, it uh, kind of culminates in Kurt one-upping Brock for flipping him off, yes. which they censored. We've kind of discussed. They, the, no, they censor things and don't that I don't censor think we'll things ever know why. that don't make any sense. We watch Triple H clearly flip off Goldberg, but we don't watch Ric Flair flip off Goldberg. We don't right. watch Kurt Angle flip off. Any, it doesn't make any sense to me. No. So, yeah, so Kurt flips him off. It's a series of arm drags. He then leaves the ring, and Brock that is, and gets upset, kicking the steps, tossing a monitor. He's throwing a big fit, grabs the title belt, and begins to walk away. Kurt, though, takes Brock down from behind, and they fight near the entrance. Angle tosses Kurt, uh, Brock into the guardrail. They make it back into the ring, where Kurt hits an overhead belly-to-belly, belly, but only manages a two-count. Yeah. And Brock is kind of just, like, in control here. He's working over Kurt. He lifts Angle high over his head and tosses him to the floor. Just yeah, straight down. Fans are on their feet just buzzing as Lesnar follows him down there. Uh, Brock hits a suplex and gets a two-count on Kurt Angle back in the ring. Um, Angle counters Brock, but Brock, with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker on Angle, gets the counter right back, and we get another two-count. And Lesnar is upset about this two-count with the referee, and then he applies the headlock. Yeah, Brock would work Kurt over for quite a while using a body scissor, and he's choking him. Uh, Kurt would make attempts to fight back. Brock would stop that with a clothesline. Uh, Lesnar then hit a basically like a stalling fisherman suplex, a cradle suplex on the yeah. angle and got a the two count. The announcers went nuts for that cradle high in the air. <laughs> like Taz was I losing mean, his was... mind. I mean, it was okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, they definitely. I don't know why they lost their minds quite so much. Like a stalled um, vertical suplex is twice as impressive as that, and it's done all the time, but I guess because it's different, it's impressive. Right. So, yeah, so Angle is continuing to be beaten down. Um, he's shoved down by Lesnar after building some momentum. Um, shoulder thrust in the corner from Brock. Angle uh, eventually is able to sidestep Lesnar and attacks the shoulder and takes him down with a shot to the back of the knee, chop block style. Angle um, firing back now. He uh, took Brock down, delivers the German suplex series, and manages a two count. Um, Lesnar, though, again, kind of cuts off the steam of Angle with an overhead belly to belly suplex. Um, he then countered an Olympic slam 
and hit a spine buster on the Olympic gold medalist for a near fall. Mm-hmm. Angle, though, manages to counter the F5, hits a DDT, but again only gets a two count. And now the straps are coming down. Whoo, which Michael Cole responds with, yeah, Steel City style. And I was like, wait, do they not have straps in Steel City? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not to do with Pittsburgh. Like, Pittsburgh, sure nips about. out. Nips out for Pittsburgh. That's <laughs> Nobody wears nipple coverings. <laughs> but yeah, so Angle removes his straps. He puts the Angle slam on Brock, gets a two count, and Brock kicks out. So Angle pulls the straps back on. And then removes them yet again, immediately. Yeah. I was like, this is it. This is the time that he did that. Holy shit. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, he, he puts, puts on the ankle on. lock. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Awesome stuff. I love that he put the that he takes them off and puts them back on. Um, the ref, though, was taken out in uh, you know Lesnar's attempt to escape here. So we're oh, in yeah. a bad way. AEW referee Mike Kyoto going down. Yep. And uh, and then and then Kurt debuted a hold that I don't think I ever saw before or ever saw again. <laughs> yeah, angle. The, <laughs> what is it? Do you know what it's called? Well, it's like a kind of like a figure four headlock that you would see someone like apply on the mat, but instead he's like hanging off of Brock Lesnar yeah. with his legs around his head, like like it. It was it was awkward to say the to say you know to put it nicely. He just like runs and leaps. And like it's like you were going for like a Canadian destroyer, but right. you just stopped before the guy jumps backwards. Like you just right. stand there, and he's got this quote unquote submission hold. But the thing is, all Brock has to do fall down. Angle is right. dead. His head is hanging yeah. below his ass. He just has to fall to true. his butt, and you kill the man. <laughs> Very true. No, yeah, exactly. It was yeah, not good. I think it's probably why Vince came out. He's probably like, God damn it! Submission hold looks like shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, he transitions to an ankle lock. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Here comes Vince McMahon. Yeah, he, yeah, Vince with a chair. He takes Kurt out. The crowd's chanting "asshole." <laughs> Cole says looks the like, deadly alliance strikes again. Yeah, it uh, looks like all is lost for our Olympic gold medalist. Brock hits the F five on one leg, which was pretty impressive. Dude, covered, but Kurt got it too. I mean, he hit it, but like even Cole points out, like Angle lands on his head. Like something about the way that oh Brock God, does it. Because the second time that they do the F five, it's clear that like Angle was like, "Hey, don't do it one footed." <laughs> yeah, no, like, you're right. Yeah, it was scary goes, that first. He goes down on his face on that first F five. Yeah, not good. Counter or Kurt would counter the F five attempt the second time, locking Lesnar in the ankle lock. Um, and then this was when I was like, what? what? Like, Brock gets the ropes, but apparently, Kurt just like, I'm not letting go. You have to hold on to the ropes long enough for the referee to tell the man that you're holding on to the ropes. I guess that's the only thing I can All make right. sense of this, because yeah. he does it like five times. Every time the referee goes to talk to Angle, before he can get the words out, the hold is done, and he stops. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it's, just, it's one of those things where it's like, I kind I, I like your thinking, but it's. I've also just seen it so many times. Yeah, not work like where they pull him back and they're like, "No, you still have to break it." Yes. You know, they get to let. So of course you you're supposed to still have to break. I don't understand why he doesn't. But yeah, he just pulls him off like five times after like five rope breaks, and then he's just <laughs> Lesnar finally taps. He's like, "I guess if the ref's against me too." <laughs> so yeah, so good for Angle. He wins. But again, I've like I've never like 
if like yeah, if the guy can just pull you away after you've gotten a rope break, then there would never be rope breaks. I feel like yeah, yeah. Uh, all the submissions that allow you to move and pull would be the best submissions. Right. Yeah. Kurt Angle wins by submission. In an amazing matchup from two. Uh, it really was a good match. Talents here. As much yeah, as we're crapping on match. the ending here, I love the match. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of silly. I still loved it. Um, and then, you know, there's still Vince to deal with, who was a bit of a shithead in this matchup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gets in the chair, or he gets in the ring with the chair. Uh, yeah. Angle sees the chair coming, and instead, Angle slams Vince onto the chair, completely crushing the chair in the ring. And it's just like, dear, dear God, Vince McMahon... What? Why do you do this to yourself? You didn't need to take a, an angle slam onto a chair, but you're doing it for no fucking reason. It was awesome too. It looked great. It does, um, and, it, and it's his birthday. <laughs> I feel like Vince is just one of those weird guys. He's a sadist in ways. Um, he probably is. So yeah, Vince lays there crying as El Angle celebrates with the championship longer. Uh, right. Taz says Vince might really be hurt here, and uh, Cole says, "Who cares?" And Taz was like. Well, I mean, he signs my checks, so yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, we got we to gotta care a little bit. Um, we then cut backstage and see Goldberg slapping himself around because well, that's just what he does. Yeah, so Goldberg's warming up, and then we f- like crossfade to uh, wacky-waving, arm-flating, arm-flailing tube men outside of the uh, arena here tonight. Yeah. And we see some Arizona Diamondbacks that are in attendance. And King makes a joke that Luis Gonzalez got kicked out of the game early just so he could be here. Huh? Yeah. Apparently, then, he probably really did get kicked out of the game that day, I guess. Right. And then, DP, we see famous WWE legend <laughs> and original Diva Search winner. It's oh. Jamie Keppa. Jamie Copy. Or is it copy? Oh. I think I think his, I think Cole or King says it here in the okay. audio that I got. Um, <laughs> the King is exactly who you think. She looks right. nineteen at the oldest. At she's twenty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She looks oh, okay. nineteen. Right. She's sitting next to a girl who looks eleven. Probably braces, and then like my memory when I started thinking about what Cole was saying in my mind immediately, this girl had braces, and like Cole's talking about this teenage girl. Anyways, here's what Michael, or not Cole, but the King says. And last night, ladies and gentlemen, here in Phoenix, we had our finals of our Diva Search Contest, and there's the winner, Jamie Kofi. Look at that, babe. Now, that's a smile I'd like to wake up to. Woo! Have you got her phone number? Not yet. And fax and email and everything else. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That was JR. (laughs) (laughs) I almost cut the JR part, but I didn't want to have, like... The complete like idea that no one responded at all, but yeah, that's a smile I'd like to wake up to. Fifty-three year old at this time, Jer- Jerry Lawler yeah. has that to say about the twenty-three-year-old girl that's in attendance because she won a photo shoot. That's the other crazy thing about this: the first diva search didn't award a contract or a match <laughs> or any training. You got a raw magazine photo shoot, <laughs> and you got to sit in like. Yeah. The middle of the arena to watch the show. <laughs> they couldn't even like sit there at ringside. We'll give you four seats mid range for SummerSlam. <laughs> I just had no memory of that and cracked up when I saw it. Uh, we now get the backstory on Kane and RVD. Kane's a very busy boy here in 2003. Mm-hmm. As he 
apparently having three feuds at the same time because he's also just got done feuding with Triple H. That's why he doesn't have a mask anymore. <laughs> well, apparently they've tried to retcon it into the mask was part of the RVD feud because RVD encouraged him to take off the mask. Right. It's like, no, he lost a fucking match and then he had to take it off. Yeah. Oh, but they, I love to hear. Because this was because my... wasn't that also all that falling from the Katie Vick angle? I think you might be right. This so, this yeah. is terrible. So the the crazy part about this is Kane unmasks and the whole story is he was burned as a child and is mm-hmm. thus this hideous monster. But as we mm-hmm. all know right now, Glenn Jacobs looks like a regular dude. I mean, he's not the best looking guy, but he's not Yeah, he's a little wonky eyed. He's not like the hills have eyes like they want us to believe here. And so they keep using this stupid effects on all the footage that we see of Kane unmasked, even though we're going to see him in regular, normal daylight here in a minute, but they're going to show us all the footage with like weird fisheye, like effects all over it. Oh, he has black makeup around his eyes and (laughs) his haircuts really bad. Disgusting monster. Oh, Yeah, Rob tells him, you don't need to hide behind a mask and tries to kind of, you know, soften it up a little bit. Uh, he would beat up Stone Cold and set Jim Ross on fire. And I love how the WWE handles things like setting their announcers on fire. That, you would think, would be the focus of an entire video package, right? Yeah. No, it's like, ah, yeah, JR got set on fire. He, he toughed it out. He's fine. I mean, they yeah. just move on. Like, no, they, just, they move on to, like... Oh, yeah, he set JR on fire, but Jesus, he tombstoned Linda McMahon. <laughs> right, it's like, like Jim Ross could have burned to death, but okay. So after the tombstone on Linda, Shane attacked and went after Kane at the show. Kane explained his backing off on Bischoff as, you people wanted me to choke slam him, and I'm sick of doing what you people want me to do. So that's why I'm back to feuding with RVD instead of Shane McMahon or Eric Bischoff. Uh, it is it's it's just so strange like why did you get i mean you know going into one of your big shows SummerSlam, like why would you complicate things like that like why would you no i think it's a great idea to put kane in the middle of so much but yeah oh. here we are it's also like one of the longest hype videos of all t- like it is there's so, so much, much that they cover here like ridiculous. <laughs> nobody cares um okay. yeah kane even tied rob up at some point oh yeah and- doused him in gasoline yeah, yeah. oh goodness <laughs> So, but anyway, that takes us to match number six. It's uh, no holds barred, thank God. It's Kane versus Rob Van Dam. JR tells us that Kane has been acting like an inbred mongrel dog. Kane! He has no conscience, ladies and gentlemen. I can personally attest to that. He has no respect for his opponents or for the fans. He's acting like the, the byproduct of an inbred mongrel dog. <laughs> just like, Jesus, can't. like Jared was like, all right, I'm supposed to just lay it on and really tell you how terrible this man is. And this is just the, the most despicable he can think of. I feel like Jared was like, can I call him a son of a bitch? They're like, no, nah, you better, better not call him a son of a bitch. So he just called him like the description of like what you could say <laughs> son of a bitch. You know, like. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, anyway, but JR also, this is just the funny, wacky world of wrestling. Like if you were set on fire by someone in your workplace, yeah, you know, do you think like weeks later they'd expect you to like, hey, go out there and, you know, like do the play by play for his match or whatever. Try to be biased. About <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. 
Tell us what, what happens. All right. Uh, yeah, JR then calls RVD the greatest superstar to never be world champion, and the match starts right away. I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I guess JR's really laying the stake down of RVD DDT. Uh, better than Jake Roberts then at that point. Isn't that well, his whole his whole big claim to fame is like the greatest to never hold it? I think he may have meant more for like as a as in a current situation, like okay, the best like the best of the business that has because won. A- the thing is, is that I mean that the whole like structure breaks down because RVD would win in a few years, but right, <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. Um, yeah, I think he means like in the current setting of the world. Gotcha. Like, okay, no. Yeah, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts. There's a yeah. He's, there's a few that would have been ahead of him if we were talking all time. Um, Rob is in a bad place here. Kane is very angry and he tosses him out of the ring. Yeah, beats him up around ringside. Uh, Rob hits the moonsault or the AKA. I'm going well, to kick you in the face off the guardrail onto the standing cane. I would think any. Uh, it always seems like any wrestler that's in in a tag team with another wrestler that then suddenly changes their look drastically, yeah. they're in a bad spot. They're usually the target immediately. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, yeah, when you've got Kane, the monster, it's a little bit difficult. Um, anyways, go ahead. Yeah, Kane drags a ladder into the ring. You think, well, that's good for Rob, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I noticed, I was like, why is Kane kind of fumbling around with it like an idiot? Oh, wait, here we go. Rob would catapult <laughs> the ladder into the face of Kane. And then come off the top rope with the super kick. The move that I always thought all these years just looked like he was going to snap his leg in half every time he oh, landed. It reminds you of fucking Sid Vicious like every single time. It's just like, oh, no. And I don't know that anybody gives him this move enough credit. Like this is one of those like kind of lost maneuvers. Like I don't see anybody doing a super kick off the top rope. basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, Kane, however, after taking that, um, is able to, uh, counter a rolling thunder and grab the goozle to the throat. RVD, though, with a high cross body and both men tumble over the ropes to the floor. And man, similar, they, they take like, it rough. Similar situation to, to the Tajiri thing earlier where Rob just missed his catch. <laughs> yes. Like, he just, he didn't catch any resistance to his free fall man and that was nasty king warns us or he warns jr excuse me to keep his personal feelings at bay while calling this match and okay rvd fights back with shoulders to the gut a leaping kick to the face but just a one count as kane kicked out after whatever maneuver he tried to get the pin with there uh van dam is shoved off the top rope and he lands with his head hitting the stairs that are propped next up to the barricade. They're not where the stairs normally are. I'm just trying to explain as far as the Kane fall. Kane put them there. What's yes. funny is Kane put those steps there <laughs> like five minutes ago. Jesus. Planning and ahead just, then. I get, Yeah, I don't know if it was a... Yeah, he planned it far in advance. Uh, big Red Machine would then drive a ladder into the face of Rob Van Dam. Um, he chokes RVD on the mat, hits a choke slam in the corner, and then we go to just chokey choke time here from Kane. Uh, hand and boot. Rob would kick Kane away, but was backdropped onto the apron. He didn't quite fall to the floor. Kane, though, then knocked him off of the apron, and he fell onto, on the ladder. Uh, Kane to the top rope and went for the top rope clothesline, uh, but missed and hits the guardrail. So crash and burn there from Kane. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, 
And then we get a, like a good number of fans chanting, you fucked up. And I was like, I think you did that as planned, guys. I mean, it's like, you know, in kind of, you could say that, like <laughs> in a kayfabe sense. But yeah. It's like he yeah. planned to do that, though. I mean, like, he, you yeah. know, that wasn't, that wasn't an actual accident. Kane then hits a DDT on RVD on the floor, and JR calls those mats very thin. Um, Kane gets crotched on the barricade, and RVD hits a guillotine spinning leg drop, as he always does, like from the apron over to the barricade. Uh, RVD places a chair onto Kane and hits a rolling thunder onto it, but RVD, being a very kind man, took the underside of the chair with his side i was like oh man it's like that could have just gone into kane's belly but instead you're gonna take it to the spine okay yeah. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah so rvd wants a van terminator he does it but kane is able to roll out of the way first even though jr sold it like he got creamed the first time but i guess you know you never know with kane if it's just him safely taking the move or if he actually got out of the way well i mean because kane did the sit-up and then Rob drop kicks the chair into his face, but Kane they, wasn't in the corner they, at that point, right? And then I okay, yeah, but say they crazy about that, but yeah, then Rob missed the Van Terminator. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. Okay, so you're saying now, yeah. Uh, Kane would then hit a tombstone on the steel steps, and they it's no holds barred, but he rolls Rob back into the ring and covers him for the win. So your winner, Kane. Yep. Yeah, one, it, two, three. Uh, yeah, so. Jr. tells us Kane's career deserves to burn. Hats off to Rob Van Dam in this loss. Yeah. Well, at least he's being honest. That's true. And and I mean, I, I actually really like. I thought this match was pretty good. I mean, and, and Rob, you know, kind of hung in there, which I was impressed with. I've generally, anytime I've seen Kane and RVD in the same match or against each other in a match, I've generally ended up liking it. I feel like it's mm. always pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Terry Reynolds. Oh yeah, this is. She's still hanging around at this point. Not quite out of the company yeah, just yet. Doing two thousand and three. I didn't expect that. Well, when you see her in the interview role, like this is pretty much the end of the line. Yeah. Like I'm, I think this is the last thing she does before she is gone. Um, but she has the unenviable uh, task of interviewing Eric Bischoff, who's not had a good night. And well, her question was probably not the best one to ask at that time. She asked how he's doing, and. Uh, <laughs> He goes nuts and says, are you blind? Are you blind? Or are you both? And Yeah, are you stupid? Oh, yeah, there's some stupid in there, too, probably. Yeah. Um, and then that's she just kind of, like, you know, scurries away. Yeah, just dejected. Is entering the, the room. This is when you get the, like, the, the fucking sitcom whistles. The- <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, sadly, that's exactly what they were thinking, too. <laughs> Yeah, Bischoff acts nervous. He begins yeah. stuttering. He says he didn't expect to see her here. And she slaps the ice off his face. Yeah. He had, he had ice up against his face. He was hurt. Um, yeah. His wonderful night continues. I just have here, Linda McMahon is the only person who seems physically incapable of performing in front of a camera. Whatever, it doesn't matter what they ask her to do, she cannot do it. Like, it is awful no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't understand I- it. Like, these are not difficult tasks. I'm not a performer. That's what but it just, is. Just don't look dead behind the eyes for five seconds. Like, uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. No, she is. <laughs> can't help that if she is, you know. Uh, oh. We then go to... This character's so obnoxious. I, Triple H looking at his title. And Flair oh, yeah. comes and tells him that 
he's the best in the world, and you ain't saying goodbye to the title. You're just letting them look at it for a while. <laughs> yep. So serious. It's time. Time, champ. Let's go. Uh, yeah, chamber begins being lowered. The dramatic music plays. Dun, 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 Jim dun, Ross dun. says there will be one winner, but maybe no survivors. That doesn't make any sense, JR. Um, <laughs> he says there was one chamber. You still die. Well, yeah, I guess, but I wouldn't think that, you know, you, how can you win if you're dead? Uh, JR yeah. says there was only one chamber before this. And King goes, yeah, it was Triple H lost his title. Uh, almost lost his career, apparently, is what he says. And then we go to the hype video. Because if you remember right, he's... I was curious about that, that specifically. That's legit. Uh, was it Rob? Was Rob in the first one? It hit a five-star off like the top of the pod. Okay. It was either Rob or Sean with an elbow, but I think it was Rob that hit a five-star and legit like landed on the throat of Triple H. Oh, like, okay. Because uh, they show clap. him like, going to the hospital for yeah. two days later in the video. Oh, yeah. It fucked him. I mean, it was bad. Like, collapsed his trachea or whatever. Jesus. And like, it was a whole thing. Wow. Huh. So... Yep, that was not good. Yeah, we see that Stone Cold was the man that announced this title would be defended in the chamber. And we're told that Triple H was put into the hospital for two days last time and lost his title. But this year it's going to be different. And I was like, wait, what is happening? The music just drowns him out completely. Uh, yeah, so they replace Sate Anger, obviously, with the generic rock riff that they have for WWE Network. Um, and immediately I was just like, I'm not having this. So I muted this and I, I went to YouTube and I, or I just searched online. I just searched SummerSlam 2003 main event hype video and immediately daily motion comes up to fucking save the day. And I click on that one. I mean, it's like 280 max. It's awful quality. It's all blocky, but you can hear it. So what I did was I turned up the phone and then I synced up to where I was at on the video, and I hit play on both. So I had the TV muted, and I was listening through the phone, but watching the television. So I got nice. the good quality, but with St. Anger there. And I'll tell you what, man, when you actually fucking edit the music, or edit the video to the music, it makes it really fucking good, even if the music's right. not that great. Like, I was just right. like, this is a fucking quality video, and it, when you w go back and watch it with the network version, it's just nonsense. Yeah. Well, that's what one of the things that sucks is, like you said... Yeah, it might not be one of the greatest songs of all time, but these things were produced so well. You know, they yeah. always did such a good job on making these kinds of videos, and it just sucks that we, you know, continuously we go we would go back and you just see that they have just they've dubbed almost all of them. Yeah. Yep. And it's like they don't re-edit it, so then it's just like the edit seems weird. Like mm -hmm. suddenly when all like it starts flashing, it doesn't make any sense, but like when you have the original music there was a time when, like, all of a sudden a big crash starts coming in. So they start right. throwing the fucking flashing in, and it's like, damn. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, we we mourn the losses that we always mourn when we fucking talk about these network shows. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but now we go back where the Fink reads the rules to the crowd of the Elimination Chamber, and that brings us to match number seven, our main event of the evening, the Elimination Chamber for the World Heavyweight Championship. It is the challenger, Randy Orton taking on the challenger, Chris Jericho, battling the other challenger, Kevin Nash, taking on challenger, Shawn Michaels versus challenger, Goldberg versus your champion, Triple H, who is accompanied to ringside, rarely in an elimination chamber appearance, but I guess it's okay because it's the second and the rules weren't established yet, by Ric Flair. 
Yeah, there you go. So yeah, a lot of talent in there. You know, a very early, uh, early on Randy Orton at this point in the yeah. match, and uh, so Orton, Nash, Triple H, and Goldberg get locked away. Mm-hmm. Just set that up, and the other two will be the ones that start. Yeah, Chris Jericho and HBK are going to start the match. Uh, we hear from what? Jr. that Randy Orton has it in his blood to be champion. I must have missed Bob Orton's world title run. I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> That's true. What What did you think of the C story of the match? Jericho versus Goldberg and his hair. Or not Jericho versus yeah. Goldberg. Jericho versus Nash and his hair. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I'd imagine that this was probably just before Kevin went and filmed The Punisher. Yep. I had to ding, ding, ding. I, I put that in my notes as a joke, and then I looked at when The Punisher was released, and it's like literally a year to the day later. So it's like almost for sure that's exactly what he was cutting it for. Yeah, the big, you know, big sexy lost his locks. So that was kind of a big deal. But yeah, Jericho, yeah, cutting that, uh, the hair of Nash on Raw. Um, he did Jim it the Ross. smart way. He told the booker beforehand, and they were able to set up a storyline instead of exactly just showing up one day with his hair shaved. Yeah. Um, Jim Ross discusses Diesel's, or we all, Kevin Nash's title run in 1994. Nice. Uh, Jim Ross says that Triple H hasn't won at SummerSlam in the past five years. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Did, did you notice the weird way that Fink pronounces Missouri? <laughs> no, what's he say? Missouri! Missouri. Yeah, it was a Missouri. I was like, oh, wow. All right, Fink. <laughs> um, but yeah, Goldberg is apparently due, perhaps overdue, says JR. And King says the fans' consensus is that Goldberg is likely going to be winning this match. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, because that's who should have won this match. But anyway. <laughs> Goldberg, though, makes his entrance. He stares down Triple H as he goes into his pod. We're told that Sean can say something that no one else at this moment can. They have won an Elimination Chamber match. Sean's hair has grown out enough for a ponytail at this point. He's dropped the page boy in the brown pants with the baby blue from last year's uh, Elimination Chamber. He looks like Sean Michaels here. Yeah. Yep. Looks like Sean Michaels. And him and Jericho, like you said, will get started. And it's at this point that Jim Ross has this to say. Can you imagine Sean Michaels' first SummerSlam? Oh! Join forces with Marty Jannetty and Tito Santana in a six-man tag. Crossbody with the match roll through by Jericho. And I was just like, man, what a connection to last week's review. That's right. <laughs> we can confirm that that did, in fact, happen. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no lies. So, yeah, HBK and Jericho going back and forth. Um, backslide from Michaels gets a two. Bridges, he bridges out of a penitent from Jericho. Uh, Chris blocks a sunset Dude. flip. Mm-hmm. How good do these two work together, man? Like, it oh, was, yeah. Like, no wonder they put these two first in, by the way. But, like, I was just thinking the, the thing that upsets me the most about the AEW WWE Iron Curtain right now is the fact that we don't have Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, like, podcasts. Like, right. I want those two to sit down and talk for, like, three hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's too bad it didn't happen. You're right. Because, <clears throat> yeah, I know these guys have great chemistry. I mean, I have, you know, I've at least heard them both. Um, mentioned that before so oh and they both talk greatly about this feud anytime that they've gotten a chance to talk about it like every time i've heard about it you know it's not well, like they're is, negative parts of their lives well and this is long before like you know the, the big feud. feud yeah yeah uh yeah the men exchange slaps to the face hbk hits a back body drop on jericho uh, he attempted the walls of jericho but was rolled up by the heartbreak kid jericho hits the face buster 
but Sean's able to avoid the lion salt. Chris lands on his feet, and then the countdown begins. What did you think and of I- Jim Ross correcting us? It's not an inside cradle. It's a, or no, it is an inside cradle. It's not a small package. He was like, oh, some people yeah. will call that a small package, but it's an inside cradle. I was like, yes. all right. <laughs> Sorry, Jay Ro- Jim Ross. We didn't mean to, um, yeah, but the countdown begins, and Randy Orton is our next competitor to enter the elimination chamber. And he hits a high crossbody on HBK for a two count <laughs> and clotheslines Sean out of the ring. Yeah. I always forget about the early Randy Orton top rope crossbody. That was just like something he was doing at the time. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jericho would cut Randy down with chops. Uh, Orton, though, with a backbreaker, gets a two count. Um, a nice step of Enziguri from Chris Jericho onto HBK, gets a two count. And then Randy would take Y2J out with a big drop kick. King tells us that Orton's orders are to be a patsy and a chump in this match. Because JR is like, he's not a patsy and a chump. And King's like, that's his orders are to be a patsy and a chump. He's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, The King also suggests that everyone should gang up and eliminate Orton before he can help Triple H, which I was surprised by his rare good advice. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, Yeah, so he grabs the ropes, helps Jericho slam. uh, Or what's his name on the Michaels on the steel there? Uh, The walls of Jericho are locked onto Shawn Michaels, and the timer begins... Five seconds, and here comes Kevin Nash. And Nash throws Orton into the wall and then hits some clotheslines on the other men inside, on Jericho especially. Uh, Jim Ross calls him the former enforcer of the Tennessee Vols basketball team. Jesus Christ, Jim Ross. Nash scrapes Jericho's head on the chain, and suddenly he's busted open. Uh, Nash with a short-arm clothesline on Michaels for a two-count. And I just have here, these fucking dummies start a boring chant. And I was like, what is going on here? I was like, oh, no, it's a Goldberg chant. Okay. Uh, Super kick on Nash. Jericho flips on top with a cover and gets the pin. And Kevin Nash is eliminated early in the match. Yeah, Yeah, well, let's face it. What was he going to do? Yeah. Probably probably got the most out of what they could have. He's coming off of the fucking NWO run with Sean. It's not a good one, so... Um, something that also really annoyed me throughout this match was Earl Hebner yelling at the wrestlers to get into the ring <laughs> when they were tied on the outside, like steel area. I didn't notice that. It's like, yeah. why are you telling them to get into the anyway? Um, yeah, I also this also always kind of makes me think that I wish the Elimination Chamber was War Games style, what where it was no one could be eliminated until everybody entered the match. Yeah, there's some of that. Yeah. I would, I would like that, but anyway, everyone's laying around at this point afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. The countdown begins, and here comes the game. Triple H. <laughs> Shawn Michaels I, hits sweet music as soon as his pod door opens, and he's down. I lo- like This is one of the rare times when I absolutely love the directing of WWE Ooh. product, because they shot this so perfectly. Triple H is yep. talking all the shit in the world to Goldberg as soon as his light pops up. Yep. And, and you know, there's like some time between the light popping up and the actual unlocking happening and being let out. So in that time of watching him just talk shit to Goldberg, we're just watching this close-up of Triple H talking all this shit. And as soon as he, like, turns to go through the door, this foot just comes into the screen and he's <laughs> down. And JR's just like, Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music! <laughs> Triple H is out cold. And yeah, so it's amazing. He's just down in the fucking pod. 
Yeah. Uh, Nash, who hasn't left the ring yet, hits a jackknife powerbomb on Chris Jericho and one for Randy Orton. This is brutal. Ring. Yeah, brutal powerbomb. And everyone's down again. They close the cage door. HBK covers Orton for a two, puts his foot on the rope. He then covers Jericho for a two. You didn't like this spot? We also got a rope. Why are there rope breaks inside the elimination chamber? Oh, I didn't think about that. I just always assumed that, you know, because you have to pin him in the ring. You can't pin him on the fucking steel, so. Video game, you can pin him on the steel. Oh, can you? Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, HPK would then cover Jericho again. And he got, I'm sorry, he got the rope. So all three men now make it to their feet and begin just exchanging punches. Uh, with Shawn Michaels eventually dropping both men, the countdown begins. Did you notice? And now it's time for Goldberg. Like I almost felt like th- there was no real time being kept, and it was like all upon a cue from the guys in the ring because, like, they literally all three turn and look at the stage, and yeah. then all of a sudden the countdown timer shows up. <laughs> like they're like, "We're done with our stuff. Can you please bring Goldberg yeah. in now?" <laughs> well, this whole chamber match is only is under twenty minutes. It, yeah, it's weirdly timed. Like nothing seems even. It's like 19 minutes long after entrances. Okay. So. Huh. Wow. I, I thought that it felt a little longer, but okay. Yeah. No, it was, it was action wise. It was pretty short. Goodness. So yeah. Also just want to mention Sean has also been busted open by the way. So yeah, Goldberg right. comes in right hands for all three. He's a house of fire lifts. Randy Orton hits the jackhammer. Well, like a power slam version, like of the jackhammer, not a full jackhammer. But Jericho and Sean team up after, you know, is Orton eliminated right then? No. Uh, Jericho and Sean team up. Goldberg, though, with a double clothesline, a spear for Orton, and then he pins him one, two, three. Randy Orton has been eliminated. So, yeah, he doesn't get to help Triple H. Yeah, so it was all pointless. Jericho with a missile drop kick on uh, Mr. Goldberg here gets a two count, but Goldberg lifts and throws Jericho into the outside wall. Goldberg stalks Jericho on the outside. He stands up and gets speared into and then through the plexiglass. And yeah, it was ugly. What's that? It was ugly. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's ugly, and the fans are losing their minds, but I love Jim Ross's call, so I wanted to put it in here. He's oh. the most powerful. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, HBK goes up top, hits the elbow drop on Goldberg, and then tunes up the band. But it was in it with Spear. So, it, yeah. They put an end to the jukebox there. Goldberg with the jackhammer, and he eliminates Shawn Michaels. Yep. Which is wild. Uh, Jericho then crawls into the ring, gets hit with another Spear. It feels like he really just got beat the hell out <laughs> of Jericho Goldberg. Jericho really gets beat up, man. Yeah, uh, Jericho then was eliminated with a jackhammer as well, and then it was time. Uh, Flair would shove the ref down and <laughs> is holding the pod door of Triple H <laughs> shut. Yeah, and it's awesome because he's got his feet up on the door and his back on the guardrail, and he's just double birding Goldberg, <laughs> which is I just awesome. It. Yeah, him sitting there double birding Goldberg while just going woo. <laughs> And then Triple H has the is brave enough to do it at that point too, and flips gold flips Goldberg off. Oh yeah, yep. 
flips him off, and it's just so good. And Triple H gives him the bird, but Goldberg just kicks through the fucking pod and goes in on Triple H. And dude, JR again with a great call. Yeah. <laughs> I love the unbreakable plexiglass wasn't <laughs> how can anything be unbreakable <clears throat> and be plexiglass um, this is also really dangerous like man I'm, they're lucky he didn't like cut anything yeah like, cut into his leg or anything like that when he was kicking like kicking through it initially but yeah it's a cool spot looks you know it's pretty badass Goldberg then pummels Triple H inside of his pod um Tosses Hunter into the chain wall and grinds his face into the steel. We get a short arm clothesline from Goldberg and he kicks Triple H into the ring. And it all seems like, man, this is looking like it's going, you know, good for Goldberg. And then literally out of nowhere, again with the directing, I have to give him credit. I'm just like, what the how did he do that? Goldberg attempts to spear Triple H and he's hit with the sledgehammer. As he does so. It's like and a then, video game. Like, he pulled it out of his yeah. fucking, un, like, un, invisible pocket. It's amazing. <laughs> and then Triple H would cover Goldberg, one, two, three, your winner and still world heavyweight champion, Triple H. Yeah. Yeah, he outsmarted it, man. The game amazing. figured it out. It's a cerebral assassin. Uh, yeah, so when replay, we see that when he was, you know, dragged in the middle of the ring... That's when Ric Flair slid the sledgehammer through the chain wall and right to Triple H's waiting grasp. Yeah, it was great. Like I, <laughs> it was really, it was really impressive. Actually, um, we then get a post-match beatdown from the Evolution crew. Yeah, uh, and this is brutal. This has got to be the most sledgehammer shots any person's probably taken it's a lot yeah because randy orton comes back down as the evolution guys get in there flares in the ring they got yeah. handcuffs they handcuff goldberg uh and triple h just hits him in the face with a sledgehammer and then uppercuts him out of the ring with it and yeah. then they handcuff him to the wall and then he hits him again and he's busted open like it's fucking crazy it's pretty intense flair bust goldberg the hard way with punches to the forehead that make him bleed immediately. That one, okay, I was curious because I was like, I don't know that Goldberg's ever bladed necessarily. Flair fucking busted him. Okay. The, He's got the, the rings in the hand. Oh, yeah, he knows where to do it. Uh, Hunter <laughs> then slams it, the uh, sledgehammer into the head of Goldberg again and then taunts him with the belt. And I just have here, nobody likes Goldberg, apparently. You will never see this title, ever. Nobody. He would win it next the next month. Um, nobody comes to help Goldberg. I was just like, Jesus, like, yep. Nobody. Jim Ross calls this absolutely repulsive, hideous. And, uh, the game's music plays and the bad guys win at SummerSlam. And Jim Ross is just indignant by the end. My God, there will be serious hell to pay. He's furious. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's yeah. Jared's beside himself. It's a, an ugly display for sure. But, uh, the game Walks away the champion. It's one of those things where it's like, as far as the Goldberg storyline goes, I totally agree with you. He probably should have won that match. Yeah. He should be the champion. 
But it's so stupid. For the Triple H storyline, having experienced this match once, now having right. a crew, it th- this is such a fucking perfect continuation of like finding a loophole, getting the victory at the end, weaseling his way yeah. through and surviving after his second, you know, ma- you know, after losing it the first time. Right. No, you're not wrong about that. <clears throat> no, it's just from a stand- like the standpoint of Goldberg being established as a legit top guy in this company. Yeah. It needed to happen at SummerSlam. And the crowd no, reaction, yeah. this is the perfect yeah. time for Goldberg. Right. And instead he wins it the next month and it doesn't mean as much. You know, and it's just yeah. kind of like who cares? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I totally agree. This was this was that that fucking match, that elimination chamber was one I had that match, I had a tag match with John Cena taking on Edge and Randy or, or not Edge, Edge and Rey Mysterio, I think, teamed up. Okay. In in on SmackDown, like I yeah, had a tag team right. match of that. Yeah. Like I had like three matches on my very first like touch screen or not touch screen, but v- color screen MP3 player that was like an off brand my dad got me from Big Lots one Christmas. Um, <laughs> but I had like three matches on there, and I watched them while I was like on vacation and randomly like at t- from time to time. This nice. was one of them, and it's like I had forgotten where it was. I always thought it was the first elimination chamber match and so anytime i would look it up it would be different guys in there and i was like i don't remember sean having brown pants and i was like i don't I've, kevin nash was fucking in this thing <laughs> i was like i was so confused so finally when i when i fucking was looking at SummerSlams and decided that we should review this one i was so happy to have found it um and you're like and oh I, there it is and honestly man like i told you in text messages when the fucking entrances began like my memories started flooding back and like <laughs> i love this match i love this yeah. elimination chamber and i really think this is a, a pretty good SummerSlam, honestly in all yeah no, i think That's overall the, it's a solid SummerSlam for sure uh the elimination chambers are really good um if not if a little you, short if but- you just erase bischoff raping linda mcmahon and that being like a running storyline through this i would love it so much more but yeah, I definitely yeah, definitely could have done without all of that. But no, overall, from an action standpoint, you know the matches are are fairly good. The beginning of the card, again, WWE they they're not like WCW. The the, the top <laughs> of the card isn't great here. Just the opposite. The, yeah, but the main events, you know, the last few matches are all really solid. All right. So speaking of ratings, as far as individual matches go, let's get some second opinions here. Dave Meltzer, the the man that's been rating matches with stars since before. Any of us were born um, has, of course, his star ratings on the show. So let's compare them to yours, Tony. The first match, La Resistance versus the Dudley Boys. What do you say? Well, just as we say that this is a pretty solid show, I'm going to begin the card with a (laughs) I gave this match a quarter of one star. Woo, man, you went real low on this one. Yep, didn't like it. I liked the the angle at the end. But as far as like an opener, like when we compare it to 1989 and watching the Brain Busters, fucking like it is no comparison. Yeah, I could be where you're at. Uh, Dave Meltzer didn't really like it, but wasn't as mean about it. He gave it 1.5. Wow, that's pretty damn generous, actually. Uh, the Undertaker versus the A Train. What do you give this match? It was short TV style match, really. I gave it half a star. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. Dave Meltzer, 1.75 stars. And you people call him haters. Um, Yeah, no, nope, didn't care for it. <laughs> Match number three on the card, the one that I'm sure everyone's waiting to hear about. Uh, Shane McMahon versus Eric Bischoff. 
Tony, what'd you give this one? Listen, it, would, it would become no holds barred eventually. A lot of things went into account on this thing. All right, there is a this is quite a ride you go on in this match. And yeah. I enjoyed the angle and the match overall, and I gave this one and a half stars. Whoa, man. All right. Yeah. Dave yeah. Meltzer didn't feel that way. Not a big Eric Bischoff fan, I assume. Point right. five stars. I mean, it just has so much, though, you know? <laughs> You're not wrong. You know? There's a lot. You know, mics are cut off. Austin gets in there. Here's I the mean, thing. and this is, this is very much in line with the idea that Attitude Era and just beyond the Attitude Era, the McMahons are the stars of the show. Like this is oh, yeah. the one of the main fucking angles because it's a McMahon <clears throat> defending his goddamn mother. That's so, true. That's true. Anyways, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Rhino, and Tajiri, four way. What'd you give it? Fun match. Really solid stuff here. Four great workers. I gave this three and a half stars. Look at that. Ding, ding, ding. Dave Meltzer on the money. 3.5 stars as well. Yeah, every now and then. And this is like the start of the second half of the show, basically. This oh, yeah. is like they kick everything into high gear. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. What'd you give it? The rematch. Uh, the rematch. Match of the night. I gave this four and a half stars. Man, you're close as well. 4.25 from Dave Meltzer. Uh, but yeah, that's. Pretty much, it's pretty indisputable that that was the best wrestling match on the show. I mean, you might like the angles that were with other stuff better, or they may be more entertaining right. to you, but that was a hell of a match that those two put on, especially when, you know, you don't have Brock Lesnar almost breaking his neck on a shooting star press, which exactly. I didn't mention, they showed the replay of in the hype video, and it blew me away that they showed the replay of that shooting They're star like, press. well, it's too cool not to show. <laughs> All right, last, second to last match, penultimate, Kane versus Rob Van Dam. What'd you give this one? A solid fight between these two here. I liked it. I gave it two and a half stars. All right. Dave Meltzer, a little below you, two stars for this one. World heavyweight title elimination chamber match. I'm not going to mention all the names, but Triple H gets the win. Goldberg also a showing. What'd you give it? A showing. I gave this match (laughs) four stars. I'm right there with you, man. This is a four-star match, if not 4.25 for me. I Like I said, I really enjoy this fucking elimination chamber. Uh, Dave Meltzer didn't like it quite as much. 3.25 stars. Well, that's just like his opinion, man. Yeah. Him and his dislike of new gimmicks. Uh, The inmates over at cagematch.net, the IMDb of pro wrestling, have this show rated at 7.41 out of 10. With 74 total votes, the show was rated as high as 9 out of 10 back in 2012 but has since settled into this 7.4. Mackay Club wrote in 2018, I I picked all native English speakers this time, so that way you don't have to have my translation of what they mean. Uh, Mackay Club wrote in 2018, he gave it a 5 out of 10, he said an okay show, one great match, a few good ones, and a few eh, not good matches. Uh, Best Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle, worst Shane versus Eric Bischoff. Uh, PM Frank in 2019 wrote, gave it a 6.0 out of 10, said this was one of the worst Summer Slams. I can give a four star only to Angle versus Lesnar. Shane versus Bischoff, really? I prefer last year's Survivor Series. Um, that's true. They did fight not long before that. Mizzle Assault Ant on the other end of the spectrum gave this a 9 out of 10, and he wrote this 
uh, in 2018. He said, this was a very fun watch. My favorite match was the blistering U.S. title four-way, but I also really like Kane versus RVD and especially the Lesnar-Angle match. The main event was still pretty great, but the ending definitely was a letdown. All the energy went out of the crowd when Triple H pinned Goldberg. The only I mean- match... <laughs> That was bad was Shane versus Bischoff. If coach is your backup plan, your plan is stupid and terrible. Sounds like he got heat. And also the other thing, you know, that so you're mad about coach, that means it worked. And then the Triple H taking the air out of the building, it's like, yeah, that also worked. Like that was exactly what was going to have happen. It was just a SummerSlam that wasn't supposed to be a a super great night when you leave. Uh, Black Goku. Wrote in 2015, gave it an 8 out of 10, said, A decent pay-per-view, some entertaining matches, match of the night, undoubtedly Lesnar versus Angle. So there you short go. but sweet. There you go. So, yeah, a solid show. Mixed, you know, the first couple of matches you could probably skip if you're trying to save yourself an hour or so. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. You know, overall, a really solid back half of the card. But then you miss out on the setup of Coach being at ringside for no fucking reason. Listen, I'm not <laughs> saying I would skip any of the show, but no, I some people be. out there that don't you know, have the same appreciation of things that I do. I understand. So that now uh, is our thoughts on SummerSlam. That's other people's thoughts on SummerSlam from 2003. But now, Tony, SummerSlam has come and gone. It's time for us to move on. And we're going back way, way back in the day. That's just how, how you look at it. Pre-mania, man. I mean, pre-mania True. is always like, that's like AD and, <laughs> you know, that's... that's you that's BC? And BC. Yeah, that's my BC yeah. and AD mark is WrestleMania 1. So, that's fair. So I, this always is, is, you know, you're going old school whenever you're talking this. I mean, obviously it's not the 60s, 50s, all that, but where are we headed next week? Well, DP, next week, um, Facebook listener and friend, you know, I will. Uh, oh, we were so respectful to Jerry Lawler. Let's go <laughs> where Jerry Lawler loves. Well, you know, fuck Jerry Lawler. We can watch whatever we want, though. Yeah, we're going to um, Facebook listener and friend of the show. Uh, I'll just use his first name, Jim. Uh, sent a link. Wants to see some Memphis wrestling. Uh, the channel that he suggested is actually one that I have been familiar with in the past. And uh, <laughs> so we're going to watch Memphis Wrestling from August 4th of 1984. I'm excited about this, man. The last time that we jumped into like the old school TV when we did those two episodes in a row because we tried to watch two very short television shows, but there was too much to fucking talk about, uh, right. was a great time. And every time that I've ever like just clipped into anything from like the mid 80s, it's just so like it's so promo heavy and so like over the top. I'm oh, yeah. very excited for this show. Yeah, Lance Russell leading the way. We're gonna have some Rick Rude, King Kong Bundy, along with Percy Pringle, Paul Bear. You would know us better. Uh, All right, re- wreaking havoc on things. So uh, yeah, Memphis Wrestling from 1984. Uh, that was sent to us via Facebook. We thank you for the recommendation and. Uh, yeah, if you want us to say your last name, let Tony know on Facebook. Yeah, I, you know, I just people can search you by your damn name, and I don't want to just go out. Some people. people want the recognition, some people don't. But yeah, so Jim, James, whatever you want to go Jim, by here, Jimmy, uh, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, so Memphis Wrestling, August 4th, 1984, next week. That's where we're heading next week. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, check out Facebook and Twitter on Facebook. Just look for the name of the podcast. On Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week from Memphis Wrestling 1984.
I don't know how I feel about this solo cup stuff. What, what's happening? Because I've been watching on streams and I keep not being able to see exactly what's happening. Like they just like start spinning around. And I'm like, are, are solo cups falling? Or well, they, a mess the first room? time I saw it was on SummerSlam and it looked like it kind of malfunctioned. Or if it didn't malfunction, it didn't look good. <laughs> well, and then I'm, and then here I'm seeing on Raw, like it seems like they all came down at the same time, but it's still just is kind of unimpressive. What is? They just fall from the ceiling and then yeah, like I guess to yeah. the ground. So, yeah, the solo cups. They're not like on a string or anything. No, it looks like they might be on a. I don't know. Maybe they're just on the screen. Who knows with this Thunderdome? It's all an illusion, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's real anymore. It's just like, what's his name? Uh, Drew. The on SummerSlam, I took his like. This is really cool. Like I took that like fairly sincerely. I was I was like maybe he really is impressed with it. But then he said the exact same goddamn thing on Raw. Like when he came out, like he's like this is really cool. I was like, fuck. It's like now nah, I don't believe you anymore. Listen, man, you gotta play the part. He's the oh, he's, he's the, the, the company shill. Yeah, he's the he's the Seth Rollins. Yeah. Right now. Right, Seth exactly. Gets to be a bad guy, so he doesn't have to do any inter- interviews anymore. And so now we have to have Drew be the Seth. There's so much speculation. So what do you want to talk about now as far as current wrestling? Oh, gee, I don't know. It's not like anything's happened since the last time we did a show. No, um, I mean, <laughs> it's not like the WWE went and spent all their money that they could possibly, like, <laughs> scratch up in cash on one day to buy LED screens. Oh, God. Yeah, they made somebody's, like, if it, yeah, the company that built the Thunderdome, if they were having a bad 2020, WWE walked in their door and just... <laughs> completely changed their lives i would imagine oh yeah uh, yeah i mean i guess just that overall we can talk about here just a little bit like uh i have to say i mean whenever it got announced and i sent you the yeah. tweet of how they described it and yep oh god like what yeah it is cool like i, I you know i i mean i have to give them credit like it's got i think its, it does it's got its pros and cons but i've been much more positive than seemingly the uh the rest of the world that i've heard this oh really talking about it yeah Oh, well, you know, you never can please everyone, I guess. Yeah, just saw a lot of people just, you know, the usual, just anything that WWE, anytime they try, you have to laugh right. at it. I mean, it's yeah. it's one of those things where, I mean, it's just just talking in general, it's it's super impressive looking the first time you see it. Yeah, it's and, impressive looking. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You get the fan feel, you know. Yeah, obviously, they took it a little bit from the NBA yeah. and what they've done while in their bubble, but I like it. It's cool. The you, one you thing know, fa- gives fans a chance to interact and be a part of it. Yeah, I do like that element of it. The one problem with it, I think it's starting to change already. Just in watching the beginning of Raw tonight, is that yeah. when it first, you know, the first night, the third, you know, SmackDown, and then even on SummerSlam, it's like there's a people interact differently with a screen than if they're live somewhere. So like, people weren't acting like they were on camera; they were acting like they were watching a show. And so you just watched people watch a show, and it's like True. people are not ex- like. There's, there, I mean, apparently I'm wrong in this, and there's a whole world on YouTube. We've, me and you have discussed privately of just people reacting to other people's videos. Like, so people w- will oh, watch yeah. other people just watch things. But like, oh, just yeah. the first night on SmackDown, I was just like, at, once we got into the match, I was like, oh, people are like, you don't see any reaction whatsoever to what's happening. It's just deadpan, stare straight into the right. camera. Um, well, because when you're sitting at home, you don't like cheer or exactly. react to things. Yes. You know, at least yep. not much. That's why, like, even on Raw, like, I don't know if you saw any of Raw tonight, but the beginning of it, uh, 
dirt when what's his name the, the world champion drew McIntyre. drew comes out he like interacted with them he was like can i get everybody right. to do a thumbs up and i was like hey yep. there you go like just do any sort of interaction that would be great like, <laughs> yeah. and it's cool to show that it's live and it's you know it's happening That's now true. type of a thing too you know but so. at the same time real quickly got to mention my one big negative with it the yeah. crowd noise during promos they got to mm-hmm. bring it down. Like it is, oh, yeah. it is, it is an arena that is losing their minds. Like there's a wrestling match in action, and it's just a guy right. talking, regardless of what he says. <laughs> well, a lot of that I think is that people react when they see themselves on TV. So you'll get people like doing the freak out reaction whenever they like see themselves on camera. No, no, I'm not and talking it, about the people. I'm talking about the crowd, the fake audience noise. Oh, I got gotcha. you. The crowd, I the see. audio right. behind it. Like gotcha. that's the weird part because then it's just like you're watching deadpan people listening to this person talk yeah. and maybe reacting or like you said, waving when they see themselves. But right. but it just sounds like like everyone's yeah. just talking to each other all the time. No, yeah, you're not wrong. No, they, they'll and they'll tweak those things. I'm sure, but I think overall yeah. from a an experience and a presentation standpoint, it's a huge step in the right direction. I mean, oh, you know what I mean? By like comparison I think is, to the PC, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, this is this is this already makes for a better viewing experience, in my opinion, anyway, mm-hmm. than what we had with the PC. Um, the ability they have for the entrances and what they can do with the screens. I mean, there's just a lot of really cool uh, elements to the whole thing. I mean, yeah. the the fiend's entrance looks absolutely awesome in that <laughs> thing with all the lasers and the you know. Although I will say, like, he was, like, the one person that I was like, well, they've already been doing, like, a lot of the lasers. Like, it looks mostly this. Like, the arena, when they take the wide shot is when it gets real impressive. And I thought they they showed that off on SummerSlam better. Because Mm -hmm. on SmackDown, with just what we had seen on SmackDown, like, you had sent me the text about, oh, man, the Fiend's entrance is great. I was like, it kind of looks the same as it usually does to me. (laughs) But on, on SummerSlam, I thought it was fantastic, yeah. Right. So, yeah, so the Thunderdome. It's here to stay, I would imagine, for the foreseeable future, and uh, you know, I'm sure they'll find some fun and wacky things to do with it. So, yeah, I'm interested. On uh, my my question is, how interactive do they want to get? Because like, you, they always, you know, they had that Cyber Sunday and shit, and it's like now's the time to pull that shit out of your back pocket. Like, have right. the audience that's on the live cams do like a poll or something. Like, right? No, that's a good point. It's not a bad idea. That might be something they flirt with. Uh, onto more. Serious, very serious news, in fact. Oh, okay. uh, no laughing matter at all. The uh, attempted kidnapping oh, that geez, took yeah. place of I Sonya f- Deville. I forgot that that's all happened since the last time that we've talked. Like, <laughs> I, I, It's what I said. Um, but no, well, and not only, I think maybe it's happened before, but the uh, more information has Details come out. Details and now. stuff, like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it had happened, I think, maybe when we'd done the last one or something. Okay. Yeah, it turns out a man arrived at her home. Uh, and plan to take her away. Well, the crazy part about uh, yeah, that's it's super scary. But the crazy thing is, is that like he had been telling her everything that he was going to do, mm-hmm. and so on social media. But it's like they these people get so many messages that you can't filter. You can't read all of them, obviously. No, so no. stuff gets filtered out. Obviously, that his stuff never made it to her. But when they started, yeah. like that's where a lot of the details and stuff of the planning on it are coming out. Where they're, they're like, oh yeah, no, he told her that. He had found Mandy's address, and then he told her that he found her address, and he was yeah. coming. Like Jesus Christ! Yeah, no, you're right. It's sad that you know that's the case too. There is there's so much of that crap they get, and you know you don't really know what to take seriously. But yeah, I mean, he was going to hold her hostage and make her answer his questions. Yeah. Whatever the hell that meant exactly. Yeah, he was he was planning violence against Mandy, and then yeah. holding Sonya hostage until because he likes Sonya, but he still 
is weirdly like you know manipulative and right. abusive here with it <laughs> right um and yeah and mandy was in the home which was something that kind of didn't come out until later mm. in the details and they actually escaped the house <laughs> I and uh, really I mean, only thanks to the fact that he thought that they had run upstairs oh okay i didn't hear that part about it yeah yeah, that was a good thing that they were able to get out of there, especially, I mean, and it's a great thing that they had a security system, like, that was one thing I saw, like, in the days after, was there was, like, a, a report that, like, yeah, there's, all the people are buying security systems now, it's like, why didn't they have them already? <laughs> yeah, well, and also, and listen, I'm not shaming, or trying to blame the victims here, no. but I will just say, like, this is also when, you know, you have to be really careful with how, how much you let people in when it yeah, comes to how much you're sharing, yeah. Yep. You know, because you have to because you have to even take into consideration. Oh, I've never done anything with my address in the background or I've never shown mm-hmm. you would be terrified to know how little detail people need, you know, <laughs> yeah. to Plus, figure those kinds of things out. You know, a lot of people when they go to their neighbors, they're not nearly as, as you know, mm-hmm. particular about making sure that they're not doing those things. And so maybe you right. just mentioned that you're at a neighbor's it's like, oh, well, that narrows down the field to 500 yards. Like, yeah. yeah. So, again, it's, you know, terrifying situation and not trying to blame them at all. But it is just a sad circumstances we're in nowadays where there's just people out there that are hunting and preying on this kind of stuff like with the the access to like google earth and like the way that Mm -hmm. the google like the on ground images are like you can use that to find backgrounds of instagram images like there's all kinds of ways to coordinate and triangulate people's positions yeah so glad they're both okay um oh so yeah i wanted to mention you know, we said it's no, no laughing matter, and I agree on that. It is a scary right. situation, and, like, I understand why they did the, the switch to having her be, like, you're just fired, or you have to leave WWE or whatever. Um, right. But I did hear, I think it was the We Watch Wrestling guy. I'm pretty sure it was We Watch Wrestling guys. They, just, they said it was a real hacksaw and chic situation with the fact that Mandy was in the house. And I was just oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, that is true. They're in the middle of a feud right now, like their yeah. biggest well, feud. God, who was it? Was it? I don't remember who was the biggest shithead of Mall Cornette or all, but somebody went into the fool like, how dare they break kayfabe? Oh, and, seriously? Like, come oh, yeah. on. Like, yeah, no, oh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Like, like was, yeah, it's one thing there? to make a joke about it, but yeah, it's another thing to like really like oh, no. expect them to be that way. Like, we don't have separate vans, man. Like, we're doing <laughs> right. ride along. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor has entered, well, has entered and I believe is already out of the bubble. They entered a bubble. And uh, taped television episodes, including okay. uh, the Pure Wrestling Tournament, some stuff like that. Nice. Or some of, some of the, you know, leading up to the Pure Wrestling Tournament. Um, but yeah, Ian Riccoboni was very active on Twitter. It was kind of interesting getting his perspective. It was, kind of, it was similar to a lot of the stuff you've already seen from like leagues like the NBA. But, you know, they were in hotel rooms. They were yeah. being tested, <clears throat> distanced. You know, it was the, the whole nine yards. So I was just impressed to see Ring of Honor, you know, do a good job, do things responsibly. And uh you know, hopefully all those guys and girls are going to finally be able to get back in the ring. It's been a long time for them. So, yeah. Well, the way that you started that story by saying they were in and already out, I thought that it was going to be like a story of a terrible failure at trying to build no. a bubble. And I'm so nope. glad to hear nope. the, nope. the taping. Just actually already, no, just already saw some guys posting like, you know, nice to be out of the bubble and you know, like being happy yeah. to be home and that kind well, of that's stuff. That's what I so. keep hearing about. Like the guys that are in the hockey league right now, like the NHL, like they're talking about how like, look, don't get us wrong. We've got like great amenities and everything is great here, but like it is mentally taxing to be in this bubble yeah. completely away from everything. Oh, well, you've probably been to, you know, you go on those week trips mm-hmm. to, for youth camps oh, or yeah. whatever have you. I mean, yeah, it does get, months. it gets weird after a while, you know, like you're just so out of your routine, you know? So, yep. 
And when you're a kid, especially, it's weird. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, more, you know, sad news, you know, hopefully good news for her. But Renee Young officially done with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a nice job today with, you know, sending the pleasantries over social media, thanking her for her contributions. She had a really nice, nice letter about her time with the company that, you know, that is worth going to her social media and reading. I'll have to check um, that letter out because I was curious on her reaction, like once she wasn't on WWE cameras with the way yeah. that she was going to say that just because I thought that when they finally did like turn the, cause I turned on SummerSlam, I watched it live for like the first mm-hmm. time in forever. Usually I at least wait 30 minutes. So I have that, that filter right. time, but no, I yeah. watched it live. So I saw the very end of the pre-show and I saw mm-hmm. them kind of letting us know that, you know, this will be her last one. And yeah, and, and saying, you know, thank you. And, like, they did a good job of, like, I thought, was it Charlie Caruso or whoever is yep. the other person, like, did a good job of, like, just talking about how much, you know, she's meant to everything and all that stuff. But I thought that her, you know, her thanks and whatever was, was fine and it was pleasant, but it was it was fairly short and just, you know, kind of to the point. And it didn't really say a whole lot about, like, you know, my time here, like, thank you for the experience yeah. or all that sort well, of thing. It was just sort of like yeah. goodbye. And so that's I why I was curious yeah. there was going to be a longer version. So I'm glad to hear that there's a letter of some sort to check yeah, out. Yeah, I would imagine that was just for a matter of time. More than yeah, anything. the show's about to start. They're counting them down and that sort of a yep. thing. So, yeah. but So onward and upward, I'm sure she'll do something great after WWE. Not sure what that will be just yet. Um, other I she could probably, news. I think she could probably totally work in, like, another industry but also like with her oh, husband yeah. at aew i could also see that being an easy lane to go in if you wanted to yeah but they're gonna have to get rid of like seven of the other people that's, that do yeah, that that's job the already that, yeah <laughs> there i already don't see the any of those people more than like once every three weeks it's, so. it's tony shivani and all his lady friends that are- <laughs> <laughs> exactly in the makeup chairs uh yeah anyway um shane mcmahon great news here question mark is being given the reins on raw Apparently, he will be underground was so goddamn impressive. Yeah, it's like, guys, you might want to let that like simmer for a couple weeks. Like that spike (laughs) is not and there isn't one. The third hours have still been down. So, okay, whatever. I'm sure Bruce Pritchard's just glad he's not going to be completely, you know, stretched thin anymore. True. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So we had quite a week since, um, you know, we've had. That's probably yes. why he got rid of the dancing girls. He had to get them ready for Raw because they're going to be a part of Raw now. <laughs> I just like how they quietly were like, I'd like to have heard that meeting. Like, yeah, that, that they was were, a bad idea. They were like, so why, bold why about do doing it. Like, it's like the fact that they even thought about it enough to have done it made me think that they had already thought over the consequences and they were going to just push forward with this. And then immediately they just backed off. And I was like, wait, so you didn't have this conversation before? Like, no one said this is a bad idea. People aren't going to like this. <laughs> I know. It just I know. blows me away. It boggles the mind, to say the least. Um, you know, as far as anything outside of the pay-per-views over the weekend, uh, just speak on a couple of things that didn't affect SummerSlam at all. Um, one of those from last week was the Mickey James treatment on her return to Raw. She was a already-in-the-ring, smiling-and-waving for her match, first match on Raw. In, I mean, we saw this happen to Mr. Perfect just like last week. <laughs> I know, right? And look how things went for him. No, that was early in his time. With the, yeah, no, you're right. She deserves better. No, and to go out there and be involved in a match with Natalia, a match that was completely overshadowed <laughs> by Rollins coming out and demanding Samoa Joe tell him who his source is that, you know, Ray Mysterio was going to be there that night while yeah. the match is happening in the background. <laughs> 
We're just watching Rollins yelling at Samoa Joe at the uh, announce table. I mean, you would think that they would understand the fact that, like, the way that that makes... I mean, whatever. It's it, Sometimes you got to fit stuff in, and you got to make the most of your time on TV, but you would think yeah. the way, like... It just seems like they're not expecting the reaction that it's like, no, that's going to make it seem like you're disrespecting whatever is in the ring. Like, no matter what it is, if you're putting something else on top of it, it's ignored, and now it's the backstory, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. But this is the thing about Mickey James. It's almost like, at this point, are we surprised? No. Like, she when she came Mickey back James the last Natalia time. Natalia at this point. Natalia just doesn't care enough to really push her, <laughs> push for it. She's just happy to be there, apparently, but... Yeah, like but I, I yeah. also consider Mickey James though to be a hair underneath, like a you know Trish Stratus, mm-hmm. as far as like a legend in wrestling, women's wrestling, whatever you want to say goes. I mean, yeah. So I, you know, but this is pretty, you know, it didn't go much better the last time she came back. They kind of made a big deal with her, and then she just kind of faded into obscurity, and <laughs> you know, you hate to see it happen. So uh, yeah. Not not cool, man. Not cool. But um, it's just funny yeah. that like that's happening because like on one hand that's happening in the women's division. On the other right. hand, like just watching SummerSlam, like not not to jump to SummerSlam, yeah. but I just wanted to point mm-hmm. out that yeah. that was the, the Sonya and Mandy thing, and then like the championship matches. Like I was just like, holy shit! Like they got all kinds of stuff going on in the women's division right now oh, yeah. in, the, in WWE, and I was into all of it. Like I was really up for that Sonya oh, yeah. and Mandy match. <laughs> Yeah, and I, well, I'm not like doing this as like, oh, uh, they don't treat women's yeah, wrestling yeah. with enough respect. No, 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 no I'm not saying that. I'm Mickey just, with enough yeah, respect. Yeah, Mickey, just specifically. James, the superstar specifically. <laughs> no, no, they're doing quite well on many other fronts, actually, in this company. So, um, underground, because none of this shit matters towards SummerSlam. Um, Dabakato. <laughs> Eric of Viking Raiders beat the hell out of a guy. Uh, Dolph Ziggler was kind of given, like, being kind of uh, pat, you know, like, ah, wasn't that great. Eric called him out for a fight, and Dolph Ziggler kind of choked him out <laughs> and gave him a thumb to the eye to win. All and right. then Ivar attacked Dolph and pounced him out of the ropeless ring. And, <laughs> and again, I don't know what any of that means or if that matters. Or <laughs> Some guys interacted physically. We don't know if it means right. anything or not. It just <laughs> happens. Um, you know, after a few segments, they would go back. We have Arturo Ruas and Riddick Moss, a couple of the standouts i think shane mcmahon stouted them as um from early on they were all out of the ring and it's over i guess like great <laughs> like we even have like blo- we even have non-finishes in the oh, underground they've gosh. like figured a way out they literally did like they just rolled out of the ring like locked up and, that- and shane just like got and was like ah, that's enough that, you know, like, enough just broke it up. It's like, I like oh, that Shane, oh. like the idea that like, there's no real like referee, but Shane is there with like an X factor <laughs> button of just like, I've yeah. seen enough. You're done. No, no one knows what it means. Um, I liked that, uh, Shayna Baszler and her, you know, friends there, Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke got involved. Uh, it's a cool way to use them of any of this. I feel like that's a good, you know, outlet for those three, uh, Shafir beat a lady up. Uh, Nia Jax showed up, attacked her and Jessamine Duke, and she backed away um, from the trio. So again, it's a that that might be the only thing that it seems like has any direction or makes any sense as far as the underground goes. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> so, <sighs> but yeah, you know that was you know that was really the only stuff on Raw that was a non SummerSlam uh, action there. All right, uh, we had we had a also had a takeover. Yes, this weekend. And AEW wrestling that I didn't get to see because of the NBA. Thanks a lot. Oh, you didn't watch AEW? 
No, it was four. I, my, it was forty-five minutes of my DVR recording uh, was the Pacers losing, damn. which that was just like a double slap in the face. Yeah, of course. And then I was like, oh, maybe they condensed the sh- no, no, they didn't condense the show. No, no, yeah, no, it wasn't condensed. It was a full show, like, and it was. Yeah. What was it? Was it that one or was it NXT? Okay, no, it's Takeover that I Takeover I watched on the uh, the dark webs internet and um, okay. It, it only had like it had it was in four parts, and the first three parts were there, and then the third part was there for part four, and so I never actually got around to finishing the women's match or the championship match. But, anyways, go ahead. Okay. Well, before <laughs> we go into all that, just since that's actually from the weekend, okay, um, I, won't, I won't completely jump over um, SmackDown just again to kind of comment on the Thunderdome. There, we talked about kind of the best parts of that show with the uh, retribution discussion in the dish. Oh, geez, so I just wanted to comment on. What's the that? fucking Bailey and Sasha segment where they talk in the ring. Oh, dude, I don't even have notes on it. I just don't even bother. Oh, wait, no, that was they were talking in the ring on SummerSlam. That's right. It was they're, a SmackDown segment on SummerSlam. I forgot about that. They're always talking in the ring. But yeah, there's just a few quick points from the, the SmackDown episode. Um, Big E continues to get singles wins. That's cool. He beat Sheamus, which is a pretty yeah. decent win, I would say. So definitely uh, good for Big E. Seems like, you know, the there key- might be some momentum moving him in the right direction. But I mean, so far, at least what we've seen is that losing to Sheamus is how you get momentum to championships. So as you say that, yeah, we transition to <laughs> a match that should have been at SummerSlam, but it whatever, really I guess have. it's fine. Um, Intercontinental title, AJ Styles. Again, this is also kind of a fallout a little bit from the retribution stuff at the beginning of the show, since uh, Styles took advantage of the attack and injured the knee of Jeff Hardy. Do you realize that AJ Styles has become like, their television draw like he's not been on the pay-per-views like i feel like that's right. like two like i've not i've wanted to watch the styles matches and they keep putting them on smackdown before the pay-per-view all right yeah, yeah i think he fought matt riddle on that yeah no you're right he keeps having these like hyper i wonder if it's something they're just like experimenting with him he doesn't even exist on SummerSlam. basically did he even show up on tv on SummerSlam? no no yeah no reason to that's so weird <laughs> so yeah but that Non-retribution-related uh, SmackDown stuff there. Just a few quick thoughts. Yeah, uh, The AEW that I did see was pretty good. Um, FTR and Private Party, they need to have a series of like 10 matches with those guys because Private Party are going to be so good after working with FTR, you know, over the course of yeah. what could be months. Because, you know, just even in this match, um, you can just really kind of tell, you know, there was... There was, there was a lot of good coming from the, you know the match there and the uh, opportunity for these guys to go in the ring with the guys like FTR. Yeah, no, I thought that these they for one, I thought that they worked together really well. Like I was excited just to, I thought you know FTR have been doing re- very well, but just seeing them in just a regular match that doesn't really have a ton of extra storyline stuff going on mm-hmm. was just good to see that. And uh, also you know Tully wearing the FTR jacket like. This is when I saw him in the jacket, I was like, did I miss like an episode where they put these guys together? No, they just. Boom, we're here. <laughs> yeah, this is happening. Uh, so, yeah, so solid stuff there. MGF with a press conference. Um, his lawyer explaining why the double arm DDT or the paradigms. Paradigm shit. What the hell is that? Paradigm shift. Shift. I was thinking switch for some reason. Uh, <laughs> is dangerous and it should be banned. And I was they, impressed with this lawyer. I don't know where they got this actor from, but. Now that you say that, I it popped up. He's. In and around wrestling. Oh, okay. Well, I was just impressed with his delivery here. I thought it was really, yeah. done, really well done. No, it was good stuff. I wish I'd made note of who that was. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, they wanted banned. 
They put in a petition online. They got five million signatures. And there is something like the choice of lens that they have used for this. Like, I'm not a big like I'm not real knowledgeable on that stuff. But like right. the way that like his Maxwell Jacob Friedman's face just like fills the screen whenever they really get close, and the way that like things distort is just so perfect for this exact like promo. Like when I was just watching it with like his neck brace and all that shit. Oh yeah, I was no, like, oh, no, great something stuff. perfect here. Oh, it's great stuff. I'm telling you, the solution is MJF wins it all out, takes mm-hmm. the title, and then they settle this shit with New Japan and Moxley. And What's, whatever that has to end up being. What shit? What do you mean? Well, there's still just, mean. like, some confusion, I guess, and there's some, like, problems as far as, like, getting him over Last there to, like, defend. The other day I saw some. I didn't read the whole thing, yeah. but I just seen, saw, like, a headline about, like, he said, you know, I don't have a contract with them, but I'm happy to work whenever I'm not, you know, working on Wednesdays and we're allowed to travel, that sort of a thing. But yeah. I think, it, yeah, but, I mean, so there's just still some frustration about that because now okay. I think Kenta is, you know, like, in line to challenge him or whatever, so. Oh, which will be fun. Oh, is he still the American champion? Yeah, still I didn't realize he still had that fucking champion. belt. I didn't realize he still had the U.S. belt. Okay, that makes more sense. Because when I heard, yeah. when I saw the thing with him, like not having, I was like, oh, who gives a shit? Like, okay, right. Yeah, I mean, if you go over there, I mean, you know, I'm sure yeah, fine. Shooter's not even there, <laughs> so who cares? Okay. Uh, oh god. But yeah, we'll see what happens with all that though. Uh, they had a big eight-man tag. It was. An eight man tag, like it was fine. AW yeah. might want to just They've scale had better these, ones. These, well, just maybe scale these back in numbers a little bit. Like, yeah, we don't need to have every week a you know match where there's twenty people out there. <laughs> oh man, we gotta make yeah. sure that you know we, we've been tested, so we've got we can have as many as we want. So. <laughs> yeah, Dustin Rose, that douche with the apple, and Jurassic Express took on the Lucha Bros, Butcher and Blade, which I do like that quartet there. Or well, that's that, what. Sorry. Like the match itself, like I was like, it was kind of forgettable by the right. uh, by the time that Eddie Kingston was done talking. Like I had forgotten what had led up to it. I just enjoyed right. that. But yeah, as DP said, there, Mister Eddie Kingston himself would enter the ring and do what he does best, cut a wonderful promo, uh, telling all four men why they were so valuable and why they shouldn't be taking any shit from this company. And yeah. you know, they only beat us when we're divided. We got a union organizer oh. here. Exactly. Um, and ask them all to walk with him. And, you know, everything they want will be theirs. So the latest cult leader in AEW <laughs> has emerged. <laughs> well, a little bit le- less cult leader, more, uh, I guess, like multi-level marketing schemer. Like. <laughs> right. No, it was awesome. And I really look forward to that group and how things are handled moving forward there. So excited for Kingston. And I'm interested if it's... If I'm interested if it's a group or not because, like, the way that you had mentioned, like, the manipulator thing and then, like, him, like, taking a picture, like, winking at the camera thing. I was like, mm-hmm. I could see him just doing this to another random match next week. And then, <laughs> like, he just, like, this just is, like, a thing that he just, like, gathers people together right. all the time. He's just turning everyone against Tony Khan. Like, they're yes. all just going to storm backstage one week yeah. and, like, carry him out and throw him in the ocean. It turns out that Billy was behind it all along. It's an NWA power grab. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, you know, it was gold. Cassidy was supposed to do his first in-ring interview. That didn't happen, of course. Uh, Jericho congratulated him, uh, says he's only been beaten three times, and that includes to the guy who puts his hands in his pockets, you know, kind of talking about how embarrassing it is. And then, I don't know how you feel about this one, DP. It's like, anybody laughing at the Thunderdome, 
I sure as hell hope you had some words about this. Chris Jericho challenges Orange Cassidy to a Mimosa Mayhem match. Yeah. And they even had a video package prepared for this match before Orange <laughs> Cassidy had ever even accepted it. Well, that's true. I didn't think about that. The one thing that I'm worried about is that, like, I'm hoping Jericho's numbers are off because when he was, like, 80 gallons of orange, I was like, that's not a whole lot. Like, right. really? I mean, it is, but it isn't. It know, is, like, but it isn't. But then, like, because when I was, like, when I, I just immediately, my head goes to, like, the amount of water that's in a small pool. It's always in the thousands of gallons. And I'm like, exactly. well, okay, so is it, like, is it going to be, like, a Tupperware that they're dumping each other into? <laughs> Adam Page should be like floating at the bottom of the mimosa thing, like, you know, trying to drink his way out of it or something. Oh, totally like the character from Beer Fest or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm sure it'll be great. Um, certainly will be a sight to be seen. Yeah. Yep. I'm kind of uh, on the same level you're at. Yeah. Uh, we had a Dark Order and the Elite. Elite gets the win. Darby beat Will Hobbs, which is like, why are you beating this Will Hobbs kid? On th- Stop it. Like, if you want to do it on Dark, that's one thing. But do something with him. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, why is Darby Allen out here beating up someone that I look at and I see dollar signs? Yeah. I mean, like, I, don't know, I don't know much about Will Hobbs. I don't, I've not well, seen him. I don't either. Movie, but- I just know that he's a giant man who looks really impressive <laughs> and he's young. And he seems to be pretty damn talented, and yeah. he's out here but losing to... At the same time, Darby's like only had high-profile high matches whenever it comes to TV, so he's got to get some win somewhere. Right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they'll beat you after they promote you, even. That's true. Uh, Ricky Starks came out as Taz's new Darby, and I don't know. Dude, I love this. I love this segment. Yeah. I it thought was, this no, was yeah, great. The segment was good, yeah. Like I loved, I loved Ricky Starks coming out with like emo written on his chest because I'm always yeah. like, it always gets me like I'm always like, what does he have written on? His-? And then every time I read, it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that thing he's got tattooed there. It's like whatever, but, right, <laughs> right. But yeah, I loved him like doing that, and then just the when Taz is selling the uh, the second rope coffin drop is like he's so badass he doesn't even have to do it from the top rope. I was like, this is awesome. I love this. No, no, Taz is great. These two are fun. It's just a little strange that we're like someone like the size of Cage and. Starks are like double teaming to beat up this hundred <laughs> pound emo kid. <laughs> true. Um, and then I lost my AEW. I know Brody Lee won the yeah. TNT title. Apparently, it's a good thing you lost it because the uh, women's tournament uh, finals oh. took place. Oh shit! Yeah, who won? Oh boy, uh, it's a good thing oh, Diamante no. and what's her name won. But oh, thank God! Yeah, thank God the right team won. But man, it yeah. was not a pretty match. And apparently, it oh. wasn't even the the worst of the the tournament, according to Wade Keller's buddy that he had watched the entire thing. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the whole tournament, but yeah, the match itself just wasn't great. It was just kind of it was all right. It wasn't terrible, but it, again, right. it wasn't like oh man, well, who are these for? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Allie. I mean, I love Allie, and you know, Brandy's fine. Um, yeah. But they're not. From a wrestling standpoint, then neither one of them were like, "Oh yeah, you remember? Did you watch that? Yeah, great match she had." You know, I mean, I'm not trying to say they can't. I'm just trying to say like, eh, it's not and probably I'm, your two strongest technicians or anything. Yes, and I don't want to steal from <laughs> from the Wade Keller show, but with their guy pointed out as well the fact that like Brandy Rhodes' character, like we've talked about it here, like her right. character changes and like is she a face, is she a heel? What what do they want her to do? What are we supposed to believe this character as? 
Yeah. On the show itself, in back to back matches, she changed because she was like a baby face throughout the tournament, apparently. And then they got to this, and then like they had her being a heel about having a, an action figure and telling Allie, like, if well, you yeah, just yeah. follow me, you'll get one of these. And so she's a heel because of that. And then like yeah, the, the match little, happens. The little brand brand thing has been, it's very yeah. heelish. Yeah, the like, brand there's brand really thing. really like about that. That's going on. And then the TNT match happens. And Brody Lee wins the total squash, beats the fuck yeah. out of out of him. And like, I love the way that they had Arn Anderson selling it. Like, he, mm-hmm. as soon as like it kind of started tilting, like I was, Matt, I've heard the term tilting the ice, and that's immediately like what came to my mind. Uh-huh. As soon as mm-hmm. he kind of started seeing like the, all the momentum going one way and just not seeing a way out of it, like he was just like he's like got his hands on his head, and then finally just Brody just nice. fucking pins him and yep, wow. wins the championship. And it was like you know shocking, but then they start beating him up. And they do a post-match beat down. They put him on a stretcher. And then, of course, he's on a stretcher with a neck brace and, like, an air pump. And then they come back and they beat him up again. So then Brandy comes out. They beat the fuck out of Brandy. And then they leave them both laying. And, like, but Brandy comes out as a babyface again, kind of in the role that she's always in whenever Cody's in a match. Right, right. (laughs) No, yeah, it's kind of all over the place with that. Now, that sounds good, though. I mean, that's a good point for Cody. Like, that's a good moment for Cody to... It is. Take a turn, you know. But again, another thing that like we've talked about on here that was again pointed out on that Wade Keller show, the fact that like it kind of has felt like they've realized the fact that he's been kind of unlikable for the past few weeks and that they were leaning into that. And then Mm -hmm. this week they're like, Nope, complete like babyface beat down. Well, just wait. (laughs) I mean, I think what I could see this being the this could be the kick in the ass that starts switches it. That takes that group that puts that group together and you know Yeah. That's he true. comes back with a fiery vengeance type of a situation, you know? Yeah, but then again, is that a babyface comeback because of the way that he was beat down <laughs> and the, reason, the reasons of his, you know, is it righteous anger that he's coming back listen, with? Listen, this company, there's very, there's only very few very established babyfaces. And yeah. other than that, it's very murky. So, that's true. There's a lot of guys that are kind of transitioning all the time, sort of a thing. Oh, yeah, so that's on them. Take over 30? Where the hell's Morrow? Like God love Vic Joseph, yeah. this dude—he shows up and he's like, you know, I think it was, people. I think it, from what I heard, it, he was just—he's with his family in Canada. There was something that I don't know if there, oh, you know, if it was God. just another one of those like mental health issues or if it was yeah. just something else with the rest of his family. But and then we also got Graves instead. It's like, can someone call Nigel? Yeah. What is Nigel Nigel's doing? Nigel's not in the company anymore. Oh really? Yeah, he left like a month ago. I meant to mention it on one oh. of our current wrestlings that it was like just it had been announced that he had you know his con- contract had ended or whatever, but. Oh. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, two guys at contracts haven't ended. Uh, really fun. Uh, fun. Really good, solid opener. Finn Balor getting the win over Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> so, yeah, don't Didn't describe this one as fun. <laughs> yeah, fighting Thatcher does not look like it's fun. Um, <laughs> this was one of those where I kind of felt like if there's anybody that could really take a like, I felt like Thatcher should have beat Balor here. Oh, yeah. You know, like if there's anybody that like you could take a loss and it wouldn't necessarily maybe hurt him all that much. And it could even play into, you know, a, a storyline moving forward where he's frustrated about yeah. you know, how he hasn't had all the success he thought he'd have when he showed mm. back up or something. But they didn't. But it was a good match. I mean, so. I could see Balor kind of being a, a person now that we've known what happens in the main event. I could see him kind of being maybe that's the next in line sort of a thing. They're like, oh, well, we need him to not lose this match because we're pushing him right up against Carrion or whatever. Yeah, no, that may be the case. Um, North American Championship ladder match. What a amazing job by these guys. Uh, Damian Priest would get the victory over Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Velveteen Dream, and Cameron Grimes. Just 
I don't know. I appreciate there was a lot of just kind of innovation. I felt like I was, with a lot of the spots and the ways they use the ladder. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, just over, you know, and it was, uh, and it, I also felt like it was evenly dispersed. Like Gargano got himself mixed up in some nasty, nasty spots. But otherwise, I didn't feel like it was like the first one they did where I swear Ethan Carter, EC3, took every big bump in that yes. ladder. <laughs> like This one, it felt like it was pretty evened out. Everybody kind of had their moments. Everybody kind of, you know, ate shit at one point or the other. Um, I love the Candice LeRae stuff, the interaction, um, yeah. the splash while she's on the back of Bronson Reed. Yeah, That's, Candace, that was a great moment. Candice, Bronson Reed, and uh, Cameron Grimes were the three that I thought came oh. out shining. The, just like I loved everything that they yeah. did throughout those matches. I love Cameron Grimes so much. <laughs> yeah. I just I just keep hoping the world for him and well he's and scratching the thing is, third, I've know. not I've not been paying close enough attention to know the fact that like he's supposed to be this like annoying heel. So like right. when they were ex- like in the middle of the match and like with the way that things were going, I was like, no, he's like he's coming off as such a baby face here. And then like they're like, oh, if he gets it, that'll be the worst thing. I was like, no, I'm rooting for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess it's all about how you feel about uh, cowboy folks. Maybe I guess you know I don't I don't know that if he was a baby face that the character would need to be all that much different. So I don't okay. know. Um, listen, this is hard. It's hard for me to give much credit to anybody, but Adam Cole beat Pat McAfee. I can see this both ways. There's a part of me that doesn't love the fact that the longest reigning champion in NXT history, a potential top guy superstar in the next decade to come, Mm. had a competitive 15-minute match with a former punter in the NFL who has well, had no professional matches to this point. I don't think you understand that when you say a potential top guy in the next 10 years, you were talking about Pat McAfee. So. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's God, apparently yeah. what Triple H thinks. That's That's been the word going around since this match. Oh, oh, I've seen, yeah, that it was so great. It's like, yeah, oh, it's so great that you just had a punter go out there and push your greatest champion of all time. That I will was, say it was goddamn entertaining though. Like I really it enjoyed. Was, I, yeah, no, it was fine. Like as know? much as I'm not a Pat McAfee fan, and I didn't like the instigating angle, the the programs right. and the promos that they cut and they put in the show and all that stuff, I thought was fine. I, I really enjoyed all of it, and it entertained me all the way up to the end. Uh, okay, but I, like but I, said, I thought I, the right guy won. I didn't want Pat winning the match. I'm glad oh, that you didn't get the victory there. <laughs> yeah. Lord no. Um, NXT Women's Championship, great match here between these two. I mean, match of the night, probably. This is uh, where, this, this is where I, I don't but, have an opinion because I didn't see the, I saw the entrances and then it cut off. <laughs> I haven't watched oh. the rest yet. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. You didn't watch the rest of the show either? Then? No, I haven't gone back. I've heard, I know what happened, but I haven't okay, watched right. it. Yeah. Well, Io Shirai defended her Women's Championship against Dakota Kai. Uh, fun stuff. We got a post-match confrontation between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez. So... Rhea Ripley's just trying to start feuds with everybody because she's also dealing with Mercedes Martinez still. So mm-hmm. uh, We have the announcement NXT UK will return September 17th. So all those guys with beards and tights that wrestle well will be back. Yep. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is making his return to NXT this upcoming Wednesday, which will be interesting considering our main event of NXT 30, which saw one Karrion Cross defeating Keith Lee for the NXT championship in uh, a match that I liked. Um, it wasn't, you know, a high flying contest by any means. Okay. It, you know, Keith Lee, you know, with, with Keith Lee's size and strength, it was a, sub, it was a very submission based kind of match, a very gotcha. a wear him down kind of a thing with cross and Keith Lee. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, you know, I liked it. 
I don't love this entire situation, how it's worked out. I guess it's fine because they've done the Men in Black flasher and now Keith Lee's on Raw and he's going to be the next great thing. And we don't talk about the fact that he just lost his title the night before. I just I just love that constant like consistency there where you just lost your world title match and now you're getting a promotion and you're going to get a push. Things that happen on NXT don't matter unless it's people from the main roster coming down and then suddenly (laughs) things matter. And I just don't understand. And I think a lot of it was probably done on the fly. And that's probably how this all happened. Because it's like you had Cole and then you and I'm not and I'm happy that Keith Lee won the belt. But that didn't feel special. The build there. Because it was like a one-month build, you know, it was like a one yeah. kind of a rotation. A, he becomes there. a transition champion here, as far as NXT is yeah. concerned. Yeah. And then you so you put both belts on Keith Lee. He relinquishes the North American title, <laughs> and before the night you crown the person that's replacing him as that champion, he loses the NXT championship yep. to Karrion Cross, who was a hurricane. That, like I had said, you once you put him in that position in a title yeah. match, he has to win. Mm-hmm. And I just I think Cole. Because you could have, because Cross, babyface or heel, this is Karrion Cross. Is pretty much what I would imagine moving forward. You know, yeah, it's just going to be a basis on who he's beating up and yeah, why he's yeah. beating them up. So you could have had Cole and the Undisputed Era, you know, in That's fear true. running from this guy, and he was the you know TikTok he- and your time is up. You're the longest reigning. You know, I'm happy Keith Lee got that chance, but it just feels weird that, you know, they, the, the way they kind of did the whole title swaps. He had to drop the title so he could do his, his celebrity match. <laughs> God, don't you start fucking celebrity. <laughs> SummerSlam! We waste the Hurt Business angle that we've been building as pretty much the top thing on Raw for the last month with a pre-show <laughs> match. Well, That's- because Shane took over Raw and fucked up the <laughs> Hurt Business. I was just I'm watching the pre-show. I'm like, Seriously? This is like the top angle on your Raw show, <laughs> or at least the, the most you know well it was, done. It, when you texted me the fact that you like seen something about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be. Like, what, what happened to that? I was like, oh, it's on the pre-show. Okay, well, yes, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> you've only probably devoted more time to it than anything. Apollo Cruz defended his U.S. title, beating MVP. Uh, you know, it was what it was. Show starts. SmackDown Women's Championship. We get Oscar in her first of two title matches on this night. Yeah. Uh, this. This one against Bailey, who's been the women's champion on SmackDown for like, I don't know, 400 some days. She <laughs> screams it at Michael now. Cole all the time. I can't remember, though. It's been a long time uh, at this point. I think it was 317 because she had it like. T- oh, yeah, it's in the, shaved into the back of her head. back of her head, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Bailey beat Asuka. It was. I just. I wish with, there hadn't been so much fuckery at the end with Sasha. Well, that's the, the the problem is they were they had to do that to set up because they were going to do the exact same thing in the second match, but then right. not have her be involved. Right. It's just it's it's such a stretch that that was the strategy to to win to get hit on off to get hit off the apron. Like, why wouldn't the strategy be to attack Oscar in any way? Listen. Don't start trying to apply logic to this shit. <laughs> You're just going to start getting a headache. Because um, then by the end of the second match, it makes no sense whatsoever. But like after this one, I was like, oh, okay, I see what the story's being told here. Fine. Okay. Under the Raw Tag Team title match, if these two can, if these two survive the pandemic era of wrestling and come out of this tunnel unscathed on the other side, I'll be amazed. The Street Profits, who are just ducking and dodging the bad creative and the terrible idea department in this company since they've yeah. started on raw. Um, but they had, you know, fun match here. 
with uh, Angel Garza and Andrade. Not that that was a surprise to anybody. Four great workers. They got the win. Like, seriously, though, like Street Profits, you know, sky is the limit. But, man, do they need wrestling to get back to whatever normal ends up being. Yes. Because they... this company's just like, oh, let's have you do a decathlon with the Viking Raiders over the course of two months. That'll be a fun way to you. Yeah. Let's have you be poisoned on Raw. Like, what? No, just well, it's at not least, that difficult. At least poisoned led to a match that had like a personal feud to it. Like, right. Whereas the the Viking Raiders thing was just like nonsense on video for twenty yeah. minutes every week. Yeah, I just don't. Know. Yeah, exactly. So good win for them. Um, and the loser leaves match. Mandy beat Sonya. Yeah, I don't. Really, I don't really know what. <laughs> with everything that happened, you know, a break might be good. I don't know if this is. I hope that this is the end for her. Like, like I was here. Like I think it was John Pollock that was pointing out. He's like, you know, being that she just went through this situation, right. she might still yeah. be deciding if this is it for her or not. But yeah, if nothing else, it at least gets her free time now to deal with all of that. Yeah, and, and as far as you know, making sure that that guy doesn't fucking get back out and and goes to jail for everything that he did. Um, Absolutely. But I, I did see that the, apparently the reason that it didn't turn into a hair match was because her lawyer told her specifically it would not be a good idea to show up bald to the, to testify. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, no, that would make her seem a little crazy. Let's not do that. <laughs> so yeah, that's why yeah, it became yeah, yeah. loser leaves yeah. instead of a hair match. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. In the other debut match of the weekend, Seth Rollins beat Dominic Mysterio. Um, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't shocked that Dominic was a very competent, <laughs> you know, and that yeah. uh, he hung in this match. Uh, definitely benefited with the dance partner. You know, as you can oh, see yeah. at times, Seth was certainly kind of leading. For the, sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, no, there's times when you, know, you got to hold the hand and, and transition yeah. between spots and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but overall, really impressive debut. I wouldn't, and I don't know. I mean, I, I know he's on Raw tonight, the night after SummerSlam. So I wouldn't keep him on Raw. No. No, I would do, I, yeah. Like, well, the problem is, it, it, the, like, I don't understand how you're going to eventually split him from Ray. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you yeah. know? Because he needs to go he needs to go NXT it. He needs to go to 205 yeah. Live. He needs to just I don't know. It's not going to be good for his career if he's just now on Raw and he's at the near the top of the card and he's they're going to try to find things for him to do. Like I just feel like yeah. when this Rollins thing's over, this writer's going to be like, "Uh, well, I don't know what to do with him now. Him and Humberto <laughs> could be a tag team." Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, and there's only so many times you know you can be mean to the dad or be mean to the son to get at the dad, like. Yeah, God. So no, but solid I thought stuff, good. it was it was a fine match. the the mm-hmm. The story that was told through the the rest of it was I thought the really the best part of the whole thing. Like I I loved oh, yeah. the moments when his mom came out and then Seth mm-hmm. gets you know Ray handcuffed and immediately turns towards the mom. Like I was just this oh, is. Yeah. So, so good stuff, you know, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. It just, it surprised me. I wasn't expecting to enjoy SummerSlam as much as I did as a whole, uh, but this mm-hmm. match specifically was a big part of why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, really amazing drama there. Seth Rollins with the uh, Halloween Havoc inspired Rey Mysterio gimmick mm-hmm. gear. I like that. Um, and he's great in his role. And you're right, the drama throughout the match was great. And him and Ray one on one at some point down the road is going to be solid stuff. So, Oscar. Yeah. Gets revenge and beats Sasha and wins the Raw Women's Championship in a solid matchup between these two. Did these two, uh, 
like I know that they've wrestled before, but like I don't, I don't know that I've really paid attention to just how good the chemistry is between these two. Like mm-hmm. Sasha and Oscar work super well together. Like just like rolling back and forth and rolling around like to set up things. Like it's always super smooth and it looks great. It doesn't look like anybody's like helping each other that sort of a thing. But holy fuck, that fucking sunset power bomb to the floor. I that was when I texted you about like, oh my, like, I was just like, are you watching? Cause I wanted to know your yeah. thoughts on it because I was like, I thought her head went straight. I mean, when they did the replay, I was like, it looked a little bit safer than it sounded, but mm-hmm. the, the thud was just so bad yeah. that I was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, amazing stuff there. Probably, probably the match of the night as far as SummerSlam goes between these two. That was so. my favorite match. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Good to see Oscar get the win. Um, universal title. Drew McIntyre. Defended his title against Randy Orton and won with a backslide, which apparently triggers some of you people out there. I I thought really this was great. I love this. I, it's a story, people. It, you know he he beat it's, the best wrestler of all time with a simple wrestling move. You know, and the only thing that I dislike about it is that it it's so on the fucking nose with the you'll never see it come like. When, Dude, don't get me started on like, Jesus. this company, and now we have to have catchphrases for our pay-per-views. But not only do we have to have catchphrases that apply to one match, the catchphrase applies to like all the matches, and it somehow uh, becomes like a theme that they interweave throughout everything. I know. Like, it's, it's weird. I don't like it, <laughs> and it's only going to get worse, I imagine. Oh. Um, main event time. I blame Thank Conrad you. Thompson, by the way. I don't think Vince even remembered the fact that they used to have taglines. And then Conrad Thompson at some point said it in his presence or near him. And he's like, taglines, fuck, we need to have taglines again. Well, there you go. Hashtag blame Conrad. Um, (laughs) WWE Championship. Thank the heavens. Bray Wyatt defeats Braun Strowman to win the title. Yeah. So that nightmare's over. And then, and I don't understand, Roman Reigns shows up and attacks Braun after the match. Attacks Bray. Yeah. Attacks everybody. And it's being like reported as like a heel turn return. And I'm like, no, yeah, I didn't get that like, from the. He does not. Well, and if he is like, no, you do not get to be a heel. Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Like there is already a <laughs> character called the Fiend. You yeah. know, it's like. And, and Braun Strowman just turned heel, by the way, exactly. even though he. <laughs> like, no, Roman, you are Roman Reigns. You, well, yeah. everybody loves you. I just feel I like went to, I went to Walmart. There were four Roman Reigns action figures available that the only difference is he had a ponytail with one. He had like, you know, so it's like, no, you are a baby face, damn it. And I don't know that necessarily that the company was not trying to be that way. Right. I feel like it's just people misinterpreting what what we saw. Like, I hope. Yeah. That, that just seemed he like was, he was just, you know, he's back. He was he's, fired up. He's fired up. His shirt says, you know, arrive, wreck everything. He's trying to make a yeah. statement. Right. You know, and, and Braun Strowman's not a good guy right now. Like, we all saw how he treated Alexa throughout this whole exactly. thing, his whole turn that the, you know, throughout this feud. So it's yep. not like he's a good guy all of a sudden, and Bray's not a fucking good guy. So, huh. no. like, I feel like it makes perfect sense for him to come in and attack both these guys. But you'll never see it coming. Nope. You'll never see it coming. <laughs> and we didn't. So, oh, Roman's man. back. The disease is cured, was, apparently. I didn't mind that you'll never see it coming until I watched Vince McMahon do the Thunderdome promo thing on SmackDown and then God, promote SummerSlam with that and point, as he said, you'll never oh, see no. it coming. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's probably Vince's favorite thing to do now is come up with the catchphrases. Mm-hmm. For the what was the one before? What was Extreme Horror War? Show. Just Horror Show? Yeah. Yeah. 
The greatest match of all time, horror show, yeah. and you'll never see it. What's next week's? Well, we got payback. We don't have enough time yeah. to, to add yeah. a, 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 a... By the time we do another show, we'll have had another pay-per-view. So, uh, just wanted to point out the fact that this year we're not only getting a backlash, but we're getting a payback in the same year. Like, come on, guys. Vince, Vince is like, oh, yeah, why don't we just use these properties we've owned for years that we just stopped let's using do, for some reason? Let's do more rematch pay-per-views after our big yeah. fours. Fingers crossed for bragging rights. Oh, it'll be right after Survivor Series. We'll have Survivor Every- Series and then bragging rights the next week. <laughs> Everybody in their brand shirts in a oh, 12-man tag team match. Yeah, I can't wait for Bray in his blue t-shirt. The Fiend. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so that's current wrestling then? That's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little old... Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.